Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Movie Channel and our Star Wars Retrospective Podcast, where every Wednesday and every Saturday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films that are currently in production through our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Hello and welcome to the We Are Geeks Star Wars Retrospective Podcast. This is episode one. We're going to be dealing with Star Wars episode four, and you hope, from 1977. Uh, I'm your host, Al White, and joining me for our all ten films, that's right, we'll get into it, is Alexander Chard. Good evening. <laughs> welcome back, man. How you doing? Very good, thank you. It's good to be back. Um, and of course... Of course, not of course, it's an issue <laughs> whatsoever. And for the very first time, Christina Masterson. Hi. How you doing, Christina? Good. Thank you for joining us on the Thank podcast. Thank you, Al. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> when we were, I kept trying to, like, I was hoping we were going to get to you on a regular show when we were shooting in France, but it never happened because guess what? Shooting tiring. Yeah. Particularly we had night no shoots. time yeah. to even shoot. No, <laughs> mostly just eating. Barely. Just eating pastries. <laughs> um... Christina, very happy here. Uh, we'll get to you in a second. But Alex, I don't care about you, Christina. Let's just get to Alex for a second. <laughs> I get it. I'm the Hit newbie. Hit me with it, Al. Um, so, when we do these franchises, we've only done one non-genre franchise before, or mm-hmm. non-horror genre, I should say, uh, which was uh, the old, um, what was it? Danny Boyle retrospective. We did a director's yep. franchise I did in the UK with um, Haruka and Allison. Um, normally we do horror ones and we normally have one person who's kind of championing a franchise for us to do. And it's normally me. Let's be honest. I was going to say, uh, I don't know who championed Freddy. That was kind of both of us. You said, if you ever do a Freddy one, I'd, I'd be in on that. Yeah. So that kind of helped me. All right, let's do Freddy next then. Um, so no regrets. A bit Loved of both it. of us. Um, yeah. Can I switch to Freddy now? No, it's too late. We so. did that one. <laughs> you missed that boat. <laughs> Watch uh, the fifth Freddy film. <laughs> It's the best. Okay. No, the sixth one's amazing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then we have people who uh, email me asking if we can do Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, um, which we'll probably get to at some point. Um, but Star Wars was one that we kept going around because a bunch of people wanted to do it. You said you wanted to do it at some point. Justin wanted to do it. Um, I was kind of, I kind of didn't want to do it because I felt like everyone tends to have the same opinions most of the time with the Star Wars films. But then, as you pointed out to me, a lot of the new generation kind of embrace those prequels or people who haven't really been submerged in Star Wars lore much. Um, and then the new films, like we're about to have our third new film uh, come out and they're definitely all over the map in terms of how people feel about those movies, I think. Yep. So I thought, you know what? Fuck it. Last Jedi's coming out. Um, I've got to get out of the country in a bit. So it'd be a fun thing for us to do. And then Christina crazily was like, yeah, I'll do Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah. there's no getting out of it now. <laughs> Especially at Justin running. I thought there would be like maybe five, not ten. <laughs> not ten. You're too polite. That's the problem. You're like, yeah, I'll do that. And then it's like, yeah, there'll be ten films and this is how we're going to structure it. And you have to watch, like, do this much research. Like, yeah, all right, fine. 
Uh, yeah, Justin really wanted to be a part of this, but I, I shoehorned him out, Alex, because I was like, no, I need Alex on this because you, you have a little thing you, I believe you want to say at the <laughs> beginning of these podcasts. Because here's the thing, whenever we do a franchise, there are a lot of podcasts out there you can listen to to review film franchises, a whole bunch of them. Loads of them are great. Um, but a lot of them are just more conversational and we tend to try and get as many facts as possible. And I'm not going to pretend we know everything about all the films to talk about, but we try and really research really hard to get lots of info to then be able to talk about the movies. And normally in film, when you're covering horror films, we do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Horror fans are really, you know, like passionate. But Star Wars is a whole different level. Totally different level. And I feel like it's inevitable that uh, we're going to miss things, which is fine for us listeners. You don't have to get We're angry. saying it's fine. You don't have to get <laughs> mad. You can simply uh, shoot us a tweet or send us an email and um, we can definitely... We can ignore it and put it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ignore it and, and stick with the facts that we found. Um, but yeah, Star Wars fans are on a whole different level. Yeah. Um, there's so many people invested in this franchise in different ways. Um, Financially. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think it was definitely another reason why I was kind of scared getting into it was, do you really want to talk about something that there's no way we know as much about as the people who will be listening to this podcast? But you're definitely the biggest Star Wars fan that I know um, in my circle of friends. Yeah. The most passionate. I think passionate is the key word. Because, uh, again, there's going to be people that it will listen to these podcasts and go, that guy isn't a real fan. He doesn't know this, this, this. Um, but, but you know, I, I'm invested in the series as, as much as those diehard fans. Have I ever been to a Star Wars celebration? No. Have I met someone for the first time and discussed uh, the theories on who Supreme Leader Snoke is? Yes, I have. <laughs> David Server. Um, did I used to recite Star Wars lines with my friend Nick in science when we were in high school, kind of alienating ourselves from the rest of the class? Yes, and we still do. Uh, have I read extended universe books um, that are now called Legends and not part of the canon? Yes, I have. Um, let's just say I love the series. I love the series. Oh, God, what made up again? Christina's eyes are glazing over a little bit already. <laughs> Do you <laughs> stop conversations to give people some backstories on characters? This is some of my favorite Frequently. LA memories. Frequently. <laughs> uh, it's you and your wife and me and my girlfriend hanging out. And then you're always about to leave. And then you just start telling us some Star Wars lore from yeah. the EU. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, uh, oh, and another thing, I... And to just to show that I'm on the side of, of the diehard fans, a thing I enjoy doing is watching uh, your reactions when trailers drop. <laughs> yes. And sharing in that emotion and excitement. So Actually, people can charter. We were on the podcast, I think, the night when the first Force Awakens trailer came out. <laughs> Do you remember? Right. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not fucking watching it. I'm not going to touch it. I don't want to go anywhere near it. I just want to go into film completely fresh. Yeah. And me and Nate, wasn't it, that night, went into the other room and watched it and came through and were like, oh, shit that looks amazing <laughs> and you lasted about an hour and then you went home uh, i think it was ever. less than that i think uh <laughs> i think i ended up going out and watching it and you guys watched you it straight again. away mm. and then you watched like 10 times that night you said like, yeah. yeah i'm dissecting it piece by piece yeah so yeah you're a fan i'm a fan you are a fan um so you've obviously seen all of the movies that we're covering or have you not seen because we are going to do let's go for now we're going to do this in the order of release so we're doing the original uh, movies which are parts four to six then we're doing the prequels parts one through three then we're going to do star wars clone wars the animated movie prequel to the tv show which is mm-hmm. highly critically acclaimed 
the TV show that is not necessarily the movie we're covering. Um, and then we're going to be covering new ones, Force Awakens, Rogue One, and then The Last Jedi. We'll be the end of this. Um, but guess what, Christina? What? You're with us for life now because if you're a part of these franchises, whenever a new film comes out, you're contractually obligated <laughs> to come back and review it with us. I'm in it to win it, guys. In it forever. I will just say I haven't seen the Clone Wars film. Okay. Uh, it's the only one I haven't seen. I've seen the original trilogy. I can't, I don't know how many times. The prequels, again, lost count. Although I would say the count's pretty low for Phantom Menace and definitely very low for um, Attack of the Clones. And then I've seen Rogue One twice and Force Awakens twice. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess I'm kind of... Yeah, I'm definitely a lower rung than you. Like, I grew up with Star Wars, the originals, um, for me. And I loved them. And I, watched, I think Return of Jedi was the first film I saw in the cinema um, when I was a little kid. And I ran up and down the aisles, apparently shooting people <laughs> with my fake laser gun. <laughs> uh, which it was the fans must have loved, must have cherished me. Um, and, yeah, I grew up with them, loved them. I got to the prequels. Um, I hated them. I definitely remember standing up for a few moments in them at the time. Um, I don't want to spoil what bits until we get there. And then I came back to them. I never got through Revenge of the Sith, the third prequel. Never could do it. Um, and I've tried maybe six times and I could never get through it. And I know to a lot of people it's their favorite of those three. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm kind of excited to get to the prequels with fresh eyes and um, see them in a different light. Uh, the new ones, yeah, I've seen them. Uh, I've seen Force Awakens maybe three times and Rogue One, yeah, about three times as well. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm certainly not like, I would say I'm a fan. I'm just not like a crazy diehard fan. Like I'm certainly very aware of Star Wars faults. Like I don't overlook stuff. I'm not sure. that level of fandom, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I get excited. Like, I didn't think I'd be as excited as I was when the Force Awakens trailer came out. And I was like, that looks fucking incredible. And I got really excited for it. Mm -hmm. um, Christina, I presume you're a fan too? Yes, <laughs> The biggest fan sir. here, right? You, yes. you love Star Trek, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> can you clarify to us which of these films you've seen before, if you can remember? Okay. When I was a lot younger, so this means I barely remember. I know I watched one with Natalie Portman. I don't even know what it's called. Okay. Which one is it? Is there there's two three. with her? There's or? three with there's her. There's three with mm -hmm. her. They're the prequels. Ah, uh, all in. three. Wow. Yeah. So one, <laughs> one of them you saw. I think I watched one of them. <laughs> Possibly. Did they go and underwater at any point? Were no. there lots of CGI clones? Now you're just spoiling it. Was there lava? <laughs> was there a stupid no. thing that... It's a poker like this. Maybe. <laughs> I yes, yes. Okay. Um, and I watched, uh, I think it's the newest one. Uh, so there was Rogue One was the last one that came out. I which think is Rogue One. Directed by Gareth Edwards. Yeah. With Felicity Jones. Mm. Yeah. Luna. Yeah. Felicity Jones one. Okay. Okay. How did you feel about that one? I enjoyed it. And that made me think, like, oh, maybe I should watch all these other ones. <laughs> maybe I should and now, crazy look podcast. at me. <laughs> you go and see a movie, you're like, that was all right. Maybe I, I should watch nine more. <laughs> I went to the theaters to see that one, too. So okay. it was a good experience all around. Yeah, they're definitely good to see on a big screen, these mm -hmm. movies, for sure. Um, so, yes. Okay, so I'm like, the newbie. We you have guys the... have just shown off. <laughs> no, but this is the perfect. <laughs> this is why I asked minutes. you. was <laughs> because you. Uh, for the ideal thing for these franchises that we're really trying to do... Um, is have one person who's the fan who really knows a lot one person who's basically completely new and then one person who's kind of in the middle perfect that's the ideal way to look at this stuff i feel perfect um and you can really be because the fresh eyes of looking at these old films in particular um for how well they hold up because i'm fascinated mm -hmm. um and particularly with stuff that we didn't tell you before we watched the movie um 
yeah about the movie and certain things that might have been changed later so we'll get into that um all right so yeah we're covering star wars episode four a new hope it was made in 1990 it's 1999 1977 uh written and directed by george lucas he was 33 years old at the time whoa shit that means i've got less than a year to to make my to write direct your star wars doesn't this make you guys feel horrible (laughs) thanks He had directed two films before, THX 1138, which was kind of a student film, really, and then American Graffiti, which was a great movie and was critically acclaimed. Um, he hasn't directed many movies afterwards, but we'll get to that as we progress through these to. films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he was, yeah, like really ostensibly, this was his second movie. Um, it cost $13 million to make, um, not with inflation. Um, so it was seen as a low-budget movie, but it's still, you know, a decent decent amount of money but it was kind of on the lower end um it made 786 million dollars worldwide uh to date that's just obviously ticket sales that's not Mm -hmm. dvds blu-rays digital merchandise anything like that um what what else we have to say about it uh yeah it starts a whole bunch of people like mark hamill harrison ford carrie fisher peter cushion alec guinness anthony daniels kenny baker peter mayhew david prouse and other people too. Was this yeah. Carrie Fisher's first James L. Jones movie? James L. Jones. Uh, well, his voice you were telling me, not his body. No, yeah. So you can actually go on YouTube. Uh, I forgot the name of the actor who played Darth Vader in A New Hope, but you can go on YouTube and watch um, clips of some of the scenes uh, before they dubbed James L. Jones' voice. And right. it's uh, quite funny because the guy that was in the suit doesn't quite have the same gravitas is james L. Jones. <laughs> right <laughs> so, i can imagine hello <laughs> it's almost like we're that. in the rebel flag because <laughs> he's english i mean he's not to take english people have high pitched voice <laughs> yes we do this voice i'm doing now i'm just putting on for the sake of the podcast <laughs> um to answer your question christina uh, she was um in carrie fisher was also in a tv movie called debbie reynolds and the sound of children um, where she played a Girl Scout and then she was in a cinema movie called Shampoo before this but this was mm. like her second main movie mm-hmm. that she did she was 21 years old okay. um, do you want to hear some of the people she fought off for this role? yes the list is incredible yeah Sissy Spacek yep. oh I love Sissy Spacek tough she didn't get it but I love Carrie Fisher Glenn Close mm. yeah. Jessica Lange oh. Mm. oh I love Jessica Meryl Lange. Streep oh wow Sigourney Weaver Wow. Sybil Shepherd, wow. Jane Seymour, wow. Angelica Houston, wow. Kim Basinger, Whoa. Kathleen Turner, Jeez. Gina Davis. What? Jeez. All these people went up for the role and didn't get it. Wow. Carrie Fisher did it. Excellent. I did not research enough to find out what she did differently <laughs> on other people. Um, but yeah. Um, and you've also got Harrison Ford. He had worked with George Lucas before on American Graffiti. He was 35 years old when he did this movie. Mm. Mark Hamill was in his like, mid 20s. He was 26, I think, wasn't he? Uh, but it was early in all of their careers, for sure. For sure. This was obviously the movie that made made them all what they are. Yeah, I think the story with Harrison Ford was that um, he had done American Graffiti, but he was out of work and he was a carpenter by trade. Really? And he like was Jesus. either... He was either... Wherever they were casting, whether it was on the studio lot or something, he was there doing some carpentry work. And George Lucas knew he was in town and this is a story i've heard i think you can find interviews on him talking about it um and just then invited him because he was 
he was nearby. That's awesome. Um, and I think part of the story goes was that he read the dialogue and thought it was just like stupid and stupid. Yeah. Um, and clearly carried that attitude into his reading, which just played to Han Solo perfectly. Goofy and charming. Yeah. Mm. And so it's like, that's fantastic. Cool. That's how you want to get a job. You're yeah. just doing some carpentry nearby. <laughs> <laughs> and the director says, come on. I'm going to read these stupid No, lines. this is stupid. I'll read it like a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. We love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We might hear a few people in this film, you were saying to me, who thought the dialogue was stupid. But yep. yeah, we'll um, get there as we work our way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited, Alex. I'm very We've excited. never seen a Star Wars film together and we just did it. I that know. was a special experience. I wanted to hold your hand a couple of times, but I refrained. Um, <laughs> That's what you guys were doing over there. <laughs> this is why you're sitting on the other side of the room from us. <laughs> Should we just get right into it? Do you have Let's anything else to say in the preamble? It's one of those films that's like, there's so much you can talk about. We could go on five hours about this movie. I'm going to mm-hmm. try not to. Just want to go through it scene by scene. Um, and then, you know, you give more, because there are so many facts. We'll give a few. Um, but I think really just our, yeah. opinion, our opinions is what we're here for. Yeah, and I think like that's what we said. There's stuff we're going to miss, but you know, yeah, we'll try and cover as much as possible. So before we get to that though, what I like to do on these franchises, probably my favorite bit of talking about any of the films, is talking about the films that came out that year. So we're in 1977. Uh, Christina. Oh God, you, I don't recognize any of these. You have a top 20 list of the worldwide box office. And I've tried to go for worldwide on this. So we're not just talking America. Uh, we're looking at the whole world. Yes. Uh, top 20 films of 1977. If, we, if any of us have any comments on each film, feel free to chime in. I feel <laughs> since none of us were alive in 1977, <laughs> we might struggle. Uh, but from, start with 20? Yeah, start with 20. 20. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Is it even Herbie? I've never yeah, seen a Herbie. The, yeah. like, the love bug ones, right? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a Herbie film. I've never seen it. Remake with uh, Lindsay Lohan? Yep. yep. <laughs> 19. Airport 77. Prefer Airport 76, but whatever. <laughs> never seen it. 18. No, I have no idea about it, so I've never heard of it. High anxiety. I have that often. Me too. I've, ne- I've never, <laughs> I've never seen yeah. the film, but I lived, I lived the it. life. <laughs> 17. Heroes. The hit TV show. 16. The Turning Points. Oh, I have heard of this. Don't know anything about it. 15. The Gauntlet. I heard of that as well. Isn't that with... Um, oh, someone's in that. Isn't it like Charlton Heston or someone in the Gauntlet? Excellent. Good facts. All right. 14. Pete's Dragon. Yay! I've seen this. I haven't haven't seen you guys? What? No. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, it's Have you seen the new one child. as well? No. It's good. From the director of a ghost story. Really? Yeah. Really. Well, maybe we should watch it someday. Very different movie. 13. Semi-tough. <laughs> Sounds like a like a Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> Twelve. Annie Hall. Now we're talking. There we go. Annie Hall, great movie. Great, great. Eleven. The Rescuers. Love that film. Is that 1977? Are you <laughs> fucking so kidding old. me? That is crazy. I love that film. That's fucking up. crazy. I gotta double check that. Unless there's some other film called The Rescuers. It was 1977. Because I always remember the sequel Down Under was in 1990. Yeah. And I remember that was beautiful. It was like the first CGI that had the bird in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that long from the original to the sequel. I thought that film was so cool. What are you doing, Disney? little sardine can. Oh, I know the rescuers. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Ten. The Deep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've seen this actually at some point. Uh, wasn't this Jane Fonda? No, hang on. Let me look this up. Uh, yeah, it was Peter Benchley. It was based on the uh, novel by the guy who wrote Jaws. Nine. Nick Nolte was in it. A Bridge Too Far. Yep. 
I don't know why I'm doing it in this voice. <laughs> That's perfect. I, lo- I love that you've embraced the voice. From Alex. Eight. Oh, God. There's a movie called Oh, God. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Exclamation mark. Seven. Do you know this week in the charts this week, uh, we're recording in 2017. Where are we? September. Uh, there are two films in the top 10 charts with an exclamation mark in the name. Mm. It's exciting. Clearly catching on. Yeah, yeah. Um, seven. In Search of Noah's Ark. I don't know. That's how dull it? as shit. Six. The Goodbye Girl. Nope. I, don't, I feel really bad. I don't know any of these movies. Five. Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, no, that movie. I need pictures with these things. It's uh, Burt Reynolds, right? And um, yeah, Burt Reynolds and Sally Field. That's it. Sally um, Field. I think it had a sequel like the same year nah, as the I Star Wars sequel. It. Actually, yeah. nineteen eighty, I think, was the next one. We'll see. Four. The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, there we are. We've got some James Bond time. Um, I'm not a big James Bond fan. Lots of people want to do the James Bond franchise retrospective. I'm like, I don't. No, <laughs> that many movies. That's ridiculous. Um, How many but, movies is it? Oh, 30-something. Oh, no, yeah. There's a lot of James no, Bond movies. I don't know. You would basically have someone living here with you <sighs> yeah. for an extended time yeah, and to I want to know those now. films. How many James Bond films? Dun, dun, dun. There are... Oh, no, only... 27. Only. That's fine. <laughs> Only. That's, that's fine. Three. Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. That's my disco voice. Though. I've seen that one. Bit I of, know. I couldn't. Bit I of couldn't. I couldn't uh, do it. Um, Fran Drescher, who played the nanny, has a cameo or a small role in Saturday Night Fever. Oh, really? Yep. Nice. <laughs> uh, what are her top two movies of 1977? <laughs> Number two. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now we're talking. That a big fantastic a Spielberg big movie. Film. Just got a 4K release this week. Such uh, a good film. Yeah, fantastic movie. Great potato mounds. Love them. <laughs> yeah. Love them. Best potato mounds ever in the film, potentially. Yeah. Um, and number one. Star Wars. Episode. Ep- <laughs> I got nervous because this is, you know, the leading one. Star Wars. Episode four. A New Hope. So let's just get to this right now then. Uh, For for starters, actually, this is the first time we've done a retrospective where the film we're covering is the number one film of the year. Doesn't happen often with the horror movies that we're covering. Um, But Alex, bone of contention. We had an argument on a regular show, not you and I, but um, some other people, about Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. And I was like, oh, it's incredible that they had the balls to come in as Episode 4 trying to say stuff already happened before you're just gonna like come in the middle of this story how could you start a movie now and just come out with you know like the revenant four <laughs> like, what no one would go and see that it's crazy and i thought it was so ballsy i thought it was so cool i always felt that way i love also it's called a new hope and mm-hmm. i always thought really it was just more a new hope episode four than star wars they all corrected me. I'm like, no, it used to just be called Star Wars when it first came out. Everything else got added later. I told them they were idiots and wrong. And then yeah. they Googled it and proved me wrong. Yeah. I mean, my the, what I always thought was that the first film was always called Star Wars, but that the scroll always said Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Right. When the film started. The crawl. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wrong as well. Uh, so it turns out that when it was released in 1977, it was just released under the title Star Wars. Um, and the subtitles, Episode 4 and A New Hope, were added to the opening crawl in a subsequent release. Um, accounts differed to when this changed, but um, it said that 
It was added to a theatrical re-release in 1981. 1981, that late? Yeah. So it was after Empire. Um, and I, and I, you know, but then people still obviously call it Star Wars. And, but now, like you see, I thought that um, once the prequels came out and they started saying like episode one, The Phantom Menace, and then they started re-releasing all the DVDs and Blu-rays, that's when I thought... It also it added officially anything. like titled Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Right. Okay. But it was really early on. It was just after they yeah. did the sequel, they went back and because yeah. I guess that was when the VHS market was really hitting this stride, right. and that's how most people are going to remember, you know, movies yeah. from VHS era. So, and I remember having the, the same feelings it. as you, like as a kid, seeing that opening uh, crawl and seeing Episode Four and thinking, "Oh, cool! Like, what's come before this?" And just yeah. thinking that was a really interesting choice. Like, let's start halfway through the yeah the saga. Which is a shame because it spoils my life. I would love to do something like that with a movie that we make. But yeah, proves it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> you can't do that. No one's going to go and see an episode four. Yeah. Um, okay, but I'm glad we tied it up because that confused me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, confused. I was confused. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit. It's like, oh, I keep Every now and then I'd look huh? over to your face to see your reactions and stuff. And it was great when you're just like, huh? <laughs> because then I think the story is that, and this I think is another kind of argued point and story, is that George Lucas had created the whole... Yeah. The whole saga. Because he's definitely done interviews where I've read with him or seen with him saying, yeah, I had like a Bible from day one and I knew exactly what the arc was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then there's other ones who are like, no, no clue. He had no clue. Like there was never yeah. going to be a sequel. This was a one-off film. Yeah. Um, and he made everything else up later. Um, and I, I've, I feel like probably the reality is like, as every director, I think when you come up with a world as deep as Star Wars is straight off the bat, and you could, we could say a lot of bad things about this movie if you want to, even if you hate this movie. You can't deny how deep the sci-fi lore is immediately off the bat. There's mm-hmm. so much stuff going on. There's so much creation. And you put in that much time and you're going to have some thought about well, what happened before and what's going to happen yeah. afterwards. Whether you intend that to be a sequel or not, it's a sure. different matter. Um, but I'm sure as soon as the success of this happened, then yeah, he sat down and wrote an ideal kind of map for where things would go. Yeah. Um, all right, since that's out of the way, Alex, you're going to guide us through the movie scene by scene, please. Okay, um, so as with any Star Wars uh, film, we start with the opening logos and a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, uh, which goes, cuts to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope and the opening scroll. Should I read the opening scroll? Oh, please don't. <laughs> we don't have time. Oh, we do not have time. Uh, so we cut from the opening scroll. Um, to see a planet and the first shot we get is of the Tantive Four being chased by a Imperial Star Destroyer. Can I just say straight out the gate, fucking like, I haven't seen this film in so long, this first one. So ballsy, just Mm -hmm. how these movies open. You get like that Fox and uh, Searchlight was it at that point? Uh, Intro, which for me is just synonymous then with Star Wars. Like that's what I expect to always come after (laughs) you hear that drum roll. And then just, just that John Williams score and the title just shrinking into the distance. Mm-hmm. And then the crawl, which they make you sit, they like smack you in the face and they go, now sit and do your homework. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't fade it out. It just keeps scrolling until it's way in the distance. You're like, is it going to fade? No, we're just going to watch the whole fucking thing disappear yeah. out to space. Yep. Somewhere those letters are just still floating out there. And then they go like, hey, guess what? Here's your law. Here's your space. And then immediately into a war. And it's like, it's all just like within 30 seconds, it's all just there. So, I mean, it's still all of the films, and especially this one. I still get like um, butterflies when that starts. Like it just did. just like that impact at the beginning. Yeah, it just really gets me very excited and buzzing. 
Christina, you're the newbie. Well, I mean, even though I haven't really seen many of these movies, I still know that iconic yeah. opening credit thingy. Yeah, like having the crawl and stuff. Yeah, so I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> did it? Does like does the impact of it do? I mean, that's what I want to know. It's like it's hard for me to separate nostalgia from it. Mm-hmm. But it is nostalgic for for me as well because I guess it's just part of pop culture. And, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, for, like think about a movie coming out now though just starting like that with a with a brass like percussion piece of music that is literally that just like bombastic mm-hmm. and then just the title just like bam and just shrinking away that quickly I mean yeah I guess I've never seen anything like that before other than in Star Wars I mean the only other times you ever see like um, an exclam- exclamation before is when it's like a true movie you know? yeah yeah, a yeah, true yeah. Story. Yeah, that's true. Flight is based on true story. Here's some facts. Yeah, but it's not as exciting as the way Star Wars does it. <laughs> did you did you pay attention for the opening crawl? You can be honest. I did. I tried to read it. Something about a civil war. Yep. Yeah, Princess Leia. There you I'm go. Gonna try to get the star thing back. Star thing. <laughs> Save them. I wrote it down. What is it? I, I, I had to the remind Death myself star. to read it because I was like, I'm gonna read that. Those <laughs> words. <laughs> I feel like I should know it, but to be honest, I was like, oh no, I probably don't remember this information. I need to read this. I mean, it's a very kind of old sort of fashion way of opening a film, isn't it? Or is like, as far as like having some like written parts for you to, yeah. like we're going to catch you up by making you read and then drop you into the story. But we're saying that wasn't added till 1981. No, the, the crawl was already in the film. Oh, the crawl was, okay. But the title before it of... Episode, episode four, four that was hope. added that was oh added. okay okay yeah. okay that makes more sense yeah um yeah so kicking on from that we see the star destroyer chasing down the tanner four um and shooting at it um sort of uh sinisterly over this beautiful planet i love that shot and people that i've talked to that were that are old enough to have seen that in the cinema the theatrical lease uh release said that that opening for the time, like just blew them away. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it still looks stunning, I think. I mean, you know, the effects aren't as like crisp and clean as, as they are now, but it's still. No, the model work really in this impactful. section of the film's really good. I yeah. Think. Um, I think those models totally work. I know, like, there's. So let's be clear, and we'll get to some of it as we go through. Obviously, infamously, and I don't know if you know this, Christina, or not, mm. but George Lucas went back in and meddled with the film on multiple occasions, I think three so far. Mm-hmm. After counting. it was released? Yeah. And we're oh, talking wow. many, many decades later. Um, so he went back in 2004, was it originally? Or was it before then? And worked on like the CGI stuff. So okay. when he was doing the prequel stuff, yeah, he'd brought in CGI and sprinkled it throughout the movie. And that's why we didn't tell you because I was interested mm-hmm. if it stood out to you like it does to us. No. Um, there are things that really are painful for me to watch in this movie that get me very angry. Uh, which we'll get to. As we yeah, I didn't notice so. anything. I mean, and I also didn't like... Um, I mean, the CGI didn't bother me, you know. But you wouldn't... This is the thing, in 77, you wouldn't have CGI. It didn't exist. So what was all that? It was all added. That's Practical. what I mean. Like, later, later, later. They added to the oh, image yeah. that was already there, putting CGI in. Uh, sometimes to cover up practical that was already there before, sometimes just to add in extra things because it was like, well, we always wanted this scene to be busier with more aliens or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes way more egregious, but we'll get to some, some of those. those. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, like this model work I really like. I think it works well and holds up well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to say it right now. 
straight off the bat for me the thing that i coming back to this with fresh eyes the thing that i think is the best about the movie it's the sound effects yes yeah. they're fucking great i was gonna say that the sound was really great especially mm-hmm. of all the little creatures all the little sounds yeah. they made yeah. that was my favorite thing like weird little noises and different yeah. dialects and then just the sound of the spaceships and then when the battle happens like it's 1977, so a battle scene's never going to look as good as it can now. Mm-hmm. But the sound effects are so bombastic that yeah. they still really fucking do affect you. Yep. Um, and I was yeah, surprised all the way through the movie just how great that sound design and obviously the visual design is for the film. But. And, and yeah, and like the sound effects in this film have very much um, defined the whole franchise. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it, so much of that has remained unchanged throughout all the different films. It's like really set the standard. Mm. Like, or and, it's, it's created the world. It's just as much created yeah. the world as the visual aspects of it. Any like, you know, if you get computer games still to this day, it's like they have to buy the rights or you, to use those original sound bites. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not a Star Wars game. It's like if you don't hear when like a TIE fighter flies over that same screech or and if you don't hear the same like lightsaber buzz or anything, mm. like it's not a Star Wars game. Yeah. It's not. You need that exact sound effect. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I really think it's fantastic world building through sound which is for sure brilliant. i mean with the jawas is that what they're called yeah jawas? would they be as cute if they didn't sound that cute so the story they with the, sounded so cute so the cute. story with the jawas i think they used recordings of um people sweet speaking swahili oh really so they sped it up oh because i was gonna say it kind of sounded like there it kind of sounded a little bit of like asian bits to me really but uh, yeah, I think it's just in certain bits. That. Um, because you have like some of the clicks and um, that's interesting. That. Um, but I'll double check that. I think it's just loading right now. Yeah, it was so cute. There's like, there's, yeah, I was watching this time. I was kind of, A, found it weird that everyone's white who's the person in the film. <laughs> and the, watching the kind of cultural relationship between the different aliens, there's a lot of weird racism going on. Like different aliens just really don't like other aliens or other robots for no good reason whatsoever. Mm. Everyone's pretty aggressive and segregated. Um, yeah, the aliens don't like the robots. Yeah, and That's just, and just other aliens. Like people are just really pissed off with each other a lot in the movie. Mm. Um, and particularly people don't like Jawas because they're kind of like these little mercantile thieves <laughs> who then just try and like yeah the desert. sell you stuff that they stole essentially <laughs> <I know. laughs> um so yeah the language of the jawas was drawn from several african languages but in oh, particular wow. zulu and it was recorded um and then uh ben burt who developed a lot of the languages for the sawa saga uh, wrote a script patterned on the various sounds he heard and had actors revoice them for the films. Then the recordings were sped up to raise the pitch and accelerate the flow of words. Nice. And you said that they shot most of it in, or the desert stuff in Africa, right? In uh, Tunisia, yeah, in Northern Mm, Africa. Interesting. Yeah, you can't, it's gonna be so hard. Like maybe we actually a lot of the narrative we can skip through, but like it's, it's just, for me, it's just the media, like these sound effects, there's world designs like from the spaceships to people's clothes yeah, the to the aliens to like mm-hmm. and everything's practical like when you yeah. get the jaws which oh, sorry we'll get to the same but when you get like they're moving um i don't know what you call it like base i guess that's going through the desert oh, it's enormous yeah and it's real and yeah. it's just like and it's just to have these things tangibly there is so fucking cool yeah um, and then, yeah, going to these great destinations like Tunisia and then jungles later, which we'll see more of mm-hmm. um, in the sequels and stuff. It's just, I don't know. Like, there's so much visually and audibly 
to immediately constantly excite you. Yeah. It's like a pick and mix of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love I was it. just thinking Burning Man must get a lot of inspiration from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> More nudity. I've never been. More nudity at Burning Man, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, come on, that was 77. That's true. It's now 2007. They were clearly all like, they're all messed up on drugs in this film in the cantina, so. That's true. Oh, yeah, for sure. Shall I kick on? Please, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so as the Star Destroyer, it uh, gets um, Tantive Four into its tractor beam. At this point, we see the Reb- um, rebel forces inside um, bracing themselves for um, the stormtroopers to board. Um, the stormtroopers blast down the door. They have a fight. We see C-3PO and R2-D2 for the first time um, and get an immediate sense of their kind of dynamic and relationship with sort of... Um, the two R2, British butlers. Yeah, R2 being very uh, sort of free-willed and independent and and um, and C-3PO sort of being a, a goody-two-shoes yeah. uh, kind of cowardly, cowardly kind of t- type of character. Um, uh, they manage, as you will find out throughout the series, to avoid all gunfire <laughs> yeah. and safely navigate their way through the ship and hide. Um at this point, we find uh, we see them split up. R- uh, C-3PO is looking for R2. He sees R2 with uh, Princess Leia, who we see for the first time. She's mm-hmm. loading something, a disc, into R2-D2. Um, and then we see Darth Vader's appearance on the ship. Um, he arrives on the ship, and he asks one of his troopers to um, search the ship for the stolen plans that the rebels have taken, uh, the plans for the Death Star. All right, so really quickly then, Christina, do you, I think you know a lot of these designs as well for pop culture. It's hard to like R2-D2 and C-3PO and Darth Vader. Like you just know Oh, them. yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How is it watching them in a 70s movie? Like, because I know you've seen... Actually, no, you haven't seen Force Awakens. Make me. Um, yeah, do they work for you still? Or do oh, they feel yeah. Janky? They're my favorite things about the movie. With the droids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which is, because um, it's like, I kept checking my watch. And Chewie, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all those little characters, I think that's what really makes the movie for me. Well, you were with the droids for nearly 20 minutes at the beginning. That's why I kept checking the timer. I like to know, like, oh, how yeah. far through we're at when a story beat happens. I like, feel like, I, I mean, yeah, you do connect with, well, I at least connected with them first. And yeah. throughout the whole movie, they kind of, like, pull me through. I like, for me, I always say one of the main reasons we're talking about off mic, but why I like Star Wars is because it's an adventure film set in a science fiction world. Mm-hmm. The characters don't feel science fiction They're not dealing, they're dealing with things just like regular people. Yeah, they feel like things. people to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like Star Trek, whether you like that or don't, like for me, it doesn't work as well because they're people dealing with it with a sophisticated science fiction mindset. Um, and the droids in this, there's always this thing of like things look old. So whenever there's a scene, something new, there's always something old, whether mm-hmm. it's the background or the costumes, one or the other normally. Mm. Um, and the droids, when you come across them, they're all rusty, they're being up. That. They keep talking about the adventures they've just been on. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is so cool. Like they've yep. been doing shit and now we're joining in with them and it feels exciting straight away yeah yeah that really watching it this time and maybe seeing it i think this is the first time i've watched the blu-ray versions right and seeing it so clear and seeing how scuffed um c-3po is right from the beginning and yeah like you said talking about that adventures i was like that is so cool yeah just that those kind of little details that there's history there yeah uh it's really interesting. And they um, keep that up all the time. They keep feed, drip feeding you stuff of like, oh, when this happened and this happened, they keep talking about history, which is so smart. Mm-hmm. Because like George Lucas, like this is one of those films that was very famously 
structured exactly on the Hollywood hero's journey. Like exactly, mm-hmm. like he he's very honest about it. It's like I had a blueprint of 24 points and I just filled them all in to make Star Wars as palatable as possible for people. And all the dialogue is constantly reinforcing any information you have. Someone always has to say the thing that you've just seen just so you know for mm-hmm. sure what's going on. Yeah. But he does that and really kind of spoon feeds you because on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you got 20 minutes just with robots at the beginning mm-hmm. and your protagonist doesn't come until later and he's kind of a whiny little dick for a while. Yeah. And <laughs> like, we're going to talk about lore and history and all this other stuff that would put people off if you didn't have such a just really yeah. mainstream narrative thread to it. Um, it's also worth noting that George Lucas was also inspired by... Um, Akira Kurosawa's films, yeah, uh, including The Hidden Fortress and that C-3PO and R2-D2 um, evolved from the two bickering peasants in The oh, Hidden Fortress. Really? Yeah. In the Hidden Fortress nice. um, now, I've only seen clips of that film, but particularly clips of those two characters and the dynamic in the relationship is is like it mirrors really? 3PO and R2. Mm. All great artists steal. That's it. Um, I do worry about C-3PO because he can't extend his arms. I remember being a kid and thinking how frustrating it would be. It's like he's in cast the whole time because he has that bit of metal tying yeah. his forearm to his bicep. Yeah. And he can't go out of this position. Like, That's true. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wouldn't it be frustrating? You just want to stretch out sometimes, buddy, and you can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where was I? Why, does, why do the baddies always have to be British? Why is Darth Vader British? And nearly every person on the Death Star is British. Are they? Yes. I like yeah, that you didn't make accent for that. Were exactly. Yeah, it is interesting. But they I mean, kind of also had like in the UK, right? The Empire, eh? Yeah. Yeah, they did film in the UK. That's they great. did, um, but they also kind of had like a Russian vibe to them. Maybe it was like their outfits. They're like military. Like, I don't know what it was, but they kind well, of Well, there's a lot of like, especially like with Darth Vader's helmet. I mean, that kind of looks like a samurai helmet, but also yeah. sort of looks like a Greek German. Well. Um, oh, yeah. Stormtrooper. Yeah. An actual stormtrooper. Yeah. German. Yeah. There's a little bit of Nazi symbolism for sure. Mm-hmm. There's also definitely some like ancient Greek symbolism as well. Yeah. In some of the helmet designs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say my first controversial thing of the podcast. Go for it. I think Darth Vader looks pretty stupid now. <laughs> I think the Stormtroopers look fantastic mm-hmm. and their design still carries through for me. Darth Vader, there's something about him that looks weird to me now. He looks like a man in pajamas who's put a t- towel around his back <laughs> and a waist like, bin on his head. I didn't notice that. It's just a little, I don't know, there's something about it from separation of my youth mm-hmm. that, and we'll get to it in the later films when he reappears in like, the new films just like it doesn't fit for me it just feels weird yeah there's something about him in these films which i know they tried to match as well um in rogue one but obviously you see the progression through empire strikes back and uh jedi where vader's suit i think becomes a bit more refined literally more polished yeah here it's still quite matte kind of finished yeah uh, the eyes are see-through at times yeah see they the are. Red tint the i know what you mean and like the leather kind of cup on his crotch and his boots is like all kind of stands out in a there's some i don't know i don't know i don't think yeah. most i think people listen to this will shout at me right now because he's such an iconic character but i'm gonna try and be controversial because i want to be honest and for me i think if i came to it now i'll be like oh he's not scary he looks stupid but everything else i thought looks great yeah i think you took that too far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, oh, the stormtroopers are the guys in the white right yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Just want to make sure. Yeah, those stormtrooper suits haven't. I've, there was a point where I was looking. And I'm like, these 
aren't outdated at all. No, they look fantastic. The design of those is perfect, I think. Um, Weird bug eyes. Love it. So, yeah, Vader enters. He confronts a commander. Um, doesn't put him in a force chokehold, but literally chokes him and lifts him off the ground, um, asking for the rebel, uh, the stolen plans. The commander says he doesn't know where they are. Um, Vader said to send his troops out to to find Princess Leia on the ship and get the rebel, um, uh, get the plans back. Um, Leia is eventually caught. She's confronted by by Vader. She begs that she's on a diplomatic mission, and he's like, "I don't believe you. Uh, I'm going to take you as prisoner." And then a point that I never knew that he did, did uh, just in a dialogue bit, he tells his um, troops to send out a signal from the Tantive, um, a distress signal, and then to tell the Senate that there were no survivors on the ship. So oh, a bit yeah. of like mm. political uh, manipulation of the situation because it's obviously, it is a diplomatic ship. Yeah, there's um, a sprinkling of politics in this film. Luckily, yeah. not too much. Um, at this point, 3PO and R2 get into an escape pod. R2 is insistent that they have to go on a mission. Um, and as they're hovering over the desert planet of Tatooine, at this point, 3PO is still like, I don't know what's happening. What mission? What are you talking about? Um, Uncanny. Um, <laughs> and they shoot off into the distance um, while someone in the Star Destroyer says, oh, there's a there's a escape pod that went over there, but there's no signs of life. Um, and then we land on Tatooine. We have the droids. Our first planet. Yep, our first planet. Uh, desert planet. As we said before, this part was shot in Tunisia. Um, 3PO and R2 are in the desert. 3PO is already complaining that his joints are going to freeze. Um, R2 is insistent on going one way, but 3PO wants to go a different way. Um, saying that, you know, you don't know where you're going. And he's like, I've got to, R2 tells him he's got to find his owner and he knows where he's going. Um, and they have a little argument and then go different ways. Um, I didn't know this before the skeleton in the background. Um, you know, when C3PO yeah. stand there, it's that big, long sort of dragon skeleton. Oh, I yeah. feel like that like, was um, always there. Yeah, it was always there. Cause I was like, yeah. was that always there? Was that an yeah. addition? And I went and looked it up. It was always there. Apparently it's a crate dragon and it's kind of like a tremor worm. They go underneath the oh, sand cool. um, and come out mm. and they're kind of legendary. And it's actually meant to be the sound that Obi-Wan makes to the sand people later. It's meant to be cool. a crate dragon sound. Oh. Um, and they left that prop in the desert. <laughs> and when they went to film Attack of the Clones, the crew went out because they were in a similar location and it was still there. Oh in my the God. How great. many years after that? Was that would have been well, like 30, 20 years? 25 years. Oh, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Um, just as I mentioned, it's been floating around the net lately. Well, I've seen it, but I think it's actually quite old. Um, a clip, I forgot what film that they did it on, of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost recreating the scene of 3PO and R2 in the desert. Um, look at it up, it's really funny. Um, Have I not seen that? With Nick Frost going bloop, 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 and Simon Pegg getting really angry because he's like, you're meant to make whistles and beeps, not bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> and then they have this argument which just recreates the scene, which is very funny. Um, so yeah, they go different ways. R2, uh, as they go different ways, 3PO is getting angry that he's lost, doesn't know where he is. He sees a light on a giant transport in the background and thinks that that's his chance of being saved. We then cut to R2, who's going through a canyon, making his very sort of nervous, like, uh, whistles as he hears things fall. This is the first time we see the Jawas, which we talked about before. The cute Jawas. Cute Jawas, which I think were played by some of the crew's um, children. Oh, really? Aww. Yeah. Not little people, Even as you were cuter. probably thinking. 
Children. <laughs> I'm not going to say the word that Justin made up recently oh. on our podcast. Uh, they stun R2 and they put him in the transport. Um, and at this point, there's a cool little scene where we're inside the transport. R2 reboots and we get to see like a a, a cavalcade. A, a menagerie? What? <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> we get to see a whole host of uh, droids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that are like... There's Dustman droid. <laughs> Dustman droid, which uh, you turned to me and said, what does he do? What does he do? No, but how does he function? Yeah. Well, I love him yeah. so much. And I remember being a kid and loving him. Like, he's just a big, like, brick. Do you remember this character? Not Katina? see it. The big brick with these like spongy feet. It looks like it's from Sesame Street. Yeah, and he just kind of like man. waddles through. He has no arms, no yeah. head, no Why eyes, did nothing. I not see it? It's like, what do you do all day? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the point where they, they stop the next day and all the units and uh, droids are brought out and we're at a like a farm in the desert. And this is the first time that we see Luke and Uncle Owen. Wait. Just before that is the first, for me, CGI atrocity added into Ooh, this yes, movie. Oh, yes, I did have that. Yeah. Uh, we get the stormtroopers when they're looking for them. And it used to just be a few stormtroopers standing in the sand and it looked really cool. Uh, and now, Christina, cast your mind back into the film since you didn't know these elements were going to be there. Uh, there are CGI stormtroopers who are goofing around on big, I don't know the names, I'm afraid, big lizard um, rides. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of them's like nearly getting thrown off because nearly every time they added CGI into this, like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we have something getting thrown off of an animal? Mm-hmm. Um, and they look really, really, really bad. Now, I don't want to get into a big debate on this stuff um, because I think there's a big argument about whether creators should be allowed to go back to their work to refine it. I think refinement is one thing. I think adding in scenes that you always wanted in that the studio cut out is another thing. Lucas had full like power over this when it was released. I think going back and adding in CGI is a whole different conversation. Uh, but adding in CGI at a time when CGI wasn't great. <laughs> so it just looks really bad to me. Like truly, truly bad. I guess my expectations were low because I knew it was made in 1977. So okay. I didn't think... So your kind of thread of when CGI should be there didn't really factor in. I, yeah, I didn't even like... It didn't bother me because I didn't expect anything crazy or cool to like really happen. So... Because that's what's great about this movie. It was made in a time with purely practical effects. So if something looks ropey, it looks know, ropey, I but it's real. That. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything CGI that you saw in this movie was never meant to be there. Okay. There's lots of little refinements, so those, but it's these big ones that piss me off. Those, yeah, those lizardy things no, they weren't, weren't in there before ever. No, no. Okay. He just CGI'd them all in later. They um, do stand out. Yeah. They're really like, and all the stormtroopers are really shiny. They're fake and stuff. And it's, it's just, oh, yeah. I see. Okay. I would have to rewatch it to really notice. I think oh, all right, it's let's my do first that. time. <laughs> We're going back in. It's my first time, so it's there's so much to um, take in already. Yeah. That I must have missed a lot of things. Well, don't worry. We're going to point out all the things you should have hated. <laughs> we should have a replay button. Yeah. Um, so we see Uncle Owen and Luke. They start haggling over which droids to buy. Um, eventually, they get 3PO and R2. Um, and we cut to a scene of um, 3PO having an oil bath, being lowered into an oil bath and <laughs> having an orgasm. <laughs> he really is happy about he's so it. so excited. And it lasts for two seconds. Yeah, he's so, <laughs> so excited. Luke, at this point, is already giving us an example of how whiny and unhappy oh he is. Oh, my God. He's grumbling to the droids that his friends have already left the planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he gets really excited when 3PO uh, reveals that they've been involved... Um, 
in the rebellion against the Empire. He mentions this because Luke's cleaning them and says that they've seen a lot of action and Luke just like gets a... He gets really excited. He gets, like, a, <laughs> he gets a hard on straight away. <laughs> yeah. and, what, you've been in the rebe- rebellion against the Empire? And then C-3 River goes, oh, it wasn't really much and he immediately loses his interest. Oh, yeah. fuck you then, droid. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then as he's trying to clean R2, we get the famous... Uh, iconic moment of princess leia and her first message um with the famous phrase help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope i love these vertical scan lines on the hologram it's so cool like it still really works for me yep me too yeah (laughs) why aren't you excited christina (laughs) i like the hologram that's what it's called right yeah yeah i liked it i feel like if you did it now you're trying to make it look too clean and nice and stuff and that's what i like about the star wars worlds everything's a bit broken and a bit Mm -hmm. janky and it's cool yeah i like that kind of for me it's cool because you have the of like the limitations of the time that the film was made yeah but then the fact that they've kept a lot of those things as they've moved forward with the films Mm -hmm. and i love that kind of almost contradictory quality of yeah a sort of this amazing futuristic new technology, yeah, and and this kind of jankiness and but that's what's cool. But that's what like it's so cool about the fact that you know the opening line is a you know long long time ago kind of thing. It's this timeless yeah. point, and they're, everything they're talking about is a history of great things that happened, which we'll get to later and see how great they are. Um, but and they're left in the aftermath of that, which yeah. is a decayed universe, really. Mm. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, for sure. Which will soon be us. Oh yeah, we're yep. getting there. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> So Luke, upon seeing Princess Leia in the uh, hologram, cracks another boner. Who is she? She looks beautiful. <laughs> no, <laughs> I like know. On the floor, he's just, just drooling everywhere. I've never Maybe seen a girl before. Seen, yeah, that's what I thought. Maybe you know, this is far the first boy girl he's living ever with his aunt and uncle. Oh, she's better than Jeez. a womp rat. <laughs> I think what he. <laughs> I think what he was hoping was what? that... Uh, he talks about one Prats later. I think he was probably hoping that he could take R2 back to his room and have that <laughs> play on repeat. Are you a sex bot? Guys, 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 guys. No, that's where we're going. Uh, anyway, R2 says it's an old file, but in this point reveals that it belongs... That he that R2 himself belongs to Obi-Wan. Luke goes, ooh, is that old Ben maybe? Um, and then we cut to him having dinner with his uncle and aunt. And this, again, is just worth saying because it's just another example of Luke's kind of whininess. He, over dinner, has uh, this argument that he wants to go to the Academy this year because all his friends went last year and he wants to go before the harvest. And he's like, well, let me go. And then he gets up and leaves. Like he wants to go to a a music festival. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then uh, his aunt's like, "He's he's just not a farmer. He has too much of his father in him. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. We get our first like because you've been following a lot of people. You've been following Droid for like twenty minutes, pretty mm-hmm. much. Occasionally seeing the baddies, but not much. Um, and now we're suddenly thrown over to Luke. He's kind of yeah. hard to empathize with. I feel for sure. Well, really yeah, in the beginning, but he has moments that yeah, kind of when you later. over. Yeah. Do you think it's just our age though? Since like, because he is. Well, how was he meant to be? Is he meant to be a teenager? I feel like nineteen or eighteen. Yeah, yeah like maybe going. You know, like. I, high school going to college yeah because when i was younger watching this i don't remember having a problem with him but now i'm in my 30s i'm like oh yeah he's really super whiny yeah bratty yeah um but then he has these redeeming qualities that are you know kind of win you back a little bit so there's just like Like a fine line that you're like Mm -hmm. teetering on yep with him um but i think it's good that we get then we have also then handed over for a private moment with his aunt and uncle to give us that bit of exposition um, so it's very much a film that's just giving... It's more worried about what, what information the audience has than mm-hmm. what information the characters have. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, so that other point, yeah, so we get that slight information about his backstory and that his father was a pilot and that Luke seems to be wanting to follow in his footsteps. And they don't want him like, no. to be like his father. Yeah. And we're not quite sure if Luke knows who his father is at this point. Yeah. Uh, but as you're saying, Christina... But he doesn't know. No. no. But this is a problem, as Christina's saying, because now watching the film, it's impossible for anybody not to yeah. know who his father is. Luke, oh, I which am Which is your Princess father. Leia. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. <laughs> which is Chewie. Um, uh, and then we have a, another sort of iconic shot from the film when Luke is reflecting on this disappointment. In his model pose. In his model pose, one leg up as he looks out over the two sons of Tatooine, which just looks really cool, but then it obviously looks cuts amazing. back to him with his windblown hair. Ridiculous. Looking all sad. <laughs> Literally is. It's just like a model catalogue for yeah. cardigans or <laughs> for something. Sure. Um, he then finds out that R2's escaped because he wants to fulfill his mission to find Obi-Wan. Um, Luke goes out without telling his aunt and uncle with C-3PO and his speeder to go and find him. They end up in some canyons and then they're ambushed by the sand people. All right, so really quickly, that speeder looks so good mm -hmm. and it still looks so oh, good. Oh, that thing was cool. Yeah. It's called a speeder? That like spaceship yeah. thing that like, That he sits in. It's like it, it's their version of cars, but it hover. Yeah, and I was like, how the fuck did they do that? And this is the only time watching it. I'm like, how do they do all these things? Mm -hmm. Do you know how they do this? How? Um, it's so, so smart. It's so simple. They've got it on a bar, right? They, so they have it on a bar for close-ups when it's like you can't see underneath it. But when you have it, you know, in the distance and you see underneath, I'm like, how did they do that? Because they couldn't CGI out. Nowadays, you just do it with stuff underneath and CGI that out. Yeah, I see. They couldn't do that in those days. So I was like, how the fuck did they do it? They just put mirrors underneath oh. where the wheels were because they're just driving it that's cool and then the mirrors reflected the desert and the mirrors because they're like warble mirror i believe yeah it then makes it look like haze underneath the speeder <gasps> i want to watch it again we need to go yeah. back really cool that's cool i thought that and that's that why i love was so cool like cheaper it was one films of my you got to come up with practical solutions like that it's so good could you mm. get something magical and, it, and it, yeah those so the practical shots of the speeder look great there are a few where we'll get get to when they get to moss eisley yeah where there's CGI versions of it. Yes, And yeah. it stands out. Oh, yeah. Like a sore thumb. Um, but we'll get to that. Should have just used mirrors. <laughs> Should have just used mirrors. I um, mean, have any of you guys... I mean, you guys have obviously watched the very first one then. Yeah, sadly. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, not sadly. It's a joy. And but, I mean, can sadly, you even get we can that? Compare. Can no. you buy it? No. We'll get into it at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I'll okay. give you a quote from George Lucas about that. Um, so... It's basically, fuck you. <laughs> As they're, as they're looking for R2, Luke is ambushed by sand people, okay, Tuscan Raiders, they go through his cruiser, there's a really <laughs> shot I never noticed, which I thought was funny, is one of the Tuscan Raiders looks in his cruiser, picks up something, looks at it and just flings it over, <laughs> his, <laughs> flings it over his shoulder, not good enough. Uh, at this point, while Luke is unconscious um, and R2's hiding and 3PO is kind of has his arm ripped off, um, there's a sound... Uh, that scares the sand people and there's a hooded man who then reveals himself um as old ben um when luke tells him that the droid belongs to obi-wan he says the famous line obi-wan now that's a name i haven't heard in a long time a long time i'll probably be quoting a lot of things as we go this is the point where i wrote down what i'm so impressed with and i really like i didn't expect to be this glowing because i had like i wasn't remembering loving this first one as much as some of the others mm -hmm. um but what I'm really impressed with just from a filmmaking perspective is that they're leading us through the world, the characters and the narrative at the same time. And yeah. all three things are working with each other. Mm -hmm. Like normally you'd have a film that's like, oh, I want to meet lots of characters in lots of locations. All right. But the film doesn't mean much, you know? Yeah. Or you just, well, the narrative's got to dictate everything. It's like, all right, but then it's not that interesting. This is doing everything. Like there's constantly new characters, constantly mm -hmm. new places, 
but all every bit of those gives you more information. Yeah. Not just about the story they're on, which it does, but about the characters and the world before. Yeah. Like everything that had happened before. And it's so smart. Like it really is. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I hate George Lucas when I'm praising him so much for how smartly, because he wrote this on his own, completely on his own. Yeah. And I think it's very, very, very well written. Um, and I don't mean in terms of it's great dialogue. Sure. I just mean in terms of how smart it is to create a cohesive story that backs everything up. Yeah. The dialogue is definitely has its weak points, but like seeing uh, Alec Guinness and uh, reading articles about him basically describing the dialogue as rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says so much about him as an actor and I guess as this kind of older English theatre actor. Um of just how he harnesses the dialogue and yeah. controls it and makes it very sincere it and it, very... Yeah. Uh, well, I think that helps a lot. I think when you have these people come on board who are like, this actually isn't very good, but it's an opportunity in like a, you know, a potential blockbuster film. Mm-hmm. They gave it their all, you know? They yeah, did yeah. stuff for like... I feel if other people had had this dialogue, yeah, it would sound hor- horrendously mm-hmm. bad. But because it's not great dialogue, but with good people behind it who care, they're like trying to do something great with for it. For sure. Um, and it works. Um, so, yeah, Obi-Wan reveals to Luke that he is Obi-Wan and that um, uh, then takes him back to his little kind of house. And they mentioned the Clone Wars here. Yeah. So then in this bit, we get some really interesting backstory stuff um, where Obi-Wan reveals to Luke that he um, fought with his father in the Clone Wars and that his father was uh, one of the best pilots um, in the galaxy and a good friend. Um, and, And he tells Luke at this point that... Another student of his called Darth Vader hunted down and killed the Jedi, including Luke's father, um, and that Darth Vader was seduced by the dark side. Isn't um, it weird that he was called Darth Vader? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so he was already called Darth Vader. Well, we find out later, no. But yeah. at this point, yeah, they're going with he was always that's just called lie, Darth yeah. Vader. <laughs> yeah, so that's the lie that... And uh, later on when he sees him, he's like, hey, Darth. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, that's true. I never thought of that. <laughs> he does. Yeah. First name's him. That is true. I never thought of that. That's funny. Um, oh, and then they also said that they went to school together. He so, was tutoring him. Uh, so Obi-Wan was like his mentor. Okay. Yeah, so as you'll find out through the franchise, the, with the Jedi mythology, it's a structure of a master and a, an apprentice. It's like Buddhism, mm. basically. Yeah. And, and, and there's a lot, which again, I don't want to get particularly on this film when I get into it, but there's a lot to do with religion and atheism. Um, in these films and them showing the good and the bad of religion through the dark side and the positive yeah. side um, and the positive side is always showing more it's Buddhism yeah. and the dark side is showing a little bit more like Church of England sort of style yeah. and then everyone else is like yeah. Catholicism exactly um, yeah and also this is another point where Obi-Wan first reveals to Luke the nature of the force and, and mentions for the first time the force you get tons of exposition so in like a here. minute yeah and then he also gives Luke um, his father's lightsaber and says that he's that he wanted to give this to Luke as a small child, but Uncle Owen had uh, not allowed it. So, you know, that also gives a bit of insight that maybe Obi-Wan had tried to be yeah. a part of Luke's early life and mm-hmm. maybe perhaps train him. He said, no, you're too cool. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be a farmer. He mentioned, so, um, yeah, there's like a thousand years with Jedi Knights and the Old Republic. We yeah. get a lot of words thrown around, um, which will come back later in many forms. Um, and then, yeah, when he's talking about Force, he, ex- he describes it. I only want to point this out now because we'll come back to this in a few films' time. Describes it as, quote, it's an energy field in all living things, yeah. end quote. So we've stated what the Force is. Yeah. 
All right, we'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also says a, a line, line that I wrote down that I thought it was nice was when he describes a lightsaber as an elegant weapon for a more civilized time. Yeah. Mm. Which is a really nice line. Um, so at this point, um, Obi-Wan's able to activate the message, the full message from Leia from R2-D2, which basically... She goes on to say that, you know, he served her father in the Clone Wars and begs that he helps against their struggle against the Empire now, um, that she's come under attack and she's got these rebel, uh, these plans of the Death Star that need to get back to the rebels uh, on her home planet of Alderaan. And this is really where we get the story of the film is. Yeah. Just go to Alderaan and give these plans. We're 35 minutes into the movie. And that's that's the whole setup there is this is what we have to do. Um, Obi-Wan urges Luke to join him uh, and to learn about the Force. Now, Luke has spent these first 20 minutes complaining about not being able to leave the planet <laughs> and he starts saying that he can't go and he's just like I can't leave blah 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 and doesn't want to go um, and says that he can only take Obi-Wan as far as Anchorhead can I ask at least Christina as a girl is he like uh, is, is he an attractive boy is it something does it at least something you know good to look at for a bit while he's moaning about stuff I mean he, he, he <laughs> that's a no that's no, a, can, yeah, I, can we go out he's, you know? he's a cute boy okay. you know but just too much of a boy he is a boy I mean I feel like uh, the girls are more attracted to yep. Han so that's, sure. that's what I'm getting I mean, at it's especially like, in comparison because um, I feel that this Han's in the beginning you know little bit of a douchebag he's a douche himself. the whole way through but he's a charming douchebag but yeah he has that look in his eyes mm-hmm. he's a little darker and a little bit more mysterious he's more of a wimp as well which yeah. is really funny but he comes through but yeah, yeah 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 yeah. i mean you know he the uh luke is a kid okay but it, it's funny he but he's a cute boy the series like the franchise yeah. he's got this sort of like disciplined pious kind of Zero sexuality about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very, very po-faced the whole. Mm-hmm. In the other films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's what I was interested because I feel for sure like he's obviously meant to be our lead, and I yeah. feel like he's meant to be the one like the heartthrob for the girls and the one the guys no, want to be. It's and instead, haunts. someone else comes in in a minute and completely steals. I feel both genders. Well, it's interesting. Like the the story, I guess, yeah, follows his arc, but at, ne- at, at no point do I ever feel that it's about him or that he's the lead right. so to speak I guess maybe because sense. of the other films you feel that he is in this one because I feel like once yeah. you get to the next two films it definitely feels like it's his story more yeah I see yeah um, because it's not it's also not Han, Hans isn't the lead either no he's definitely know? not the so, lead like Hans is definitely not so who's who is the lead in the this droids. one the droids I would argue yeah, the droids they are, are the lead they are the droids you spend the most time with them I mean I I, I like them the most it's basically I mean Wally. look first thing I put yeah. R2-D2 C-3PO. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after Luke says that he can take him as far as Anchorhead, we cut to, for the first time, the Death Star. It's when the Death Star is revealed. And uh, so we cut to an outside shot of this giant uh, space station. And then we go inside and top commanders are around a table having a meeting, trying to decide what to do with the rebels, how to get their plans back and what to do. I think you rebels. mean English and Irishmen are around the table. <laughs> just, just going at it, being very angry. And um, we get Peter Cushing for the first time. Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin comes in. And another cool little um, sort of political subtext little moment here, which I always liked, was that he comes in and reveals that the emperor has dismantled the Senate. Yeah. Um, which will make sense once we start to see the 
prequels. Um, oh, thank God. <laughs> so he's dismantled the city. But even if you don't, it's just a cool little, like, interesting backstory bit. Dismantle the Senate, which will give him full control of the galaxy, um, which they'll rule through regional governors and through fear. Um, at this point, one of the commanders mocks mocks Vader for his um, his old beliefs. I can't remember the exact lines. Yeah, he's mocking him. He's basically saying, like, you're the last of your kind and, like, Vader, your religion has faded. Yeah, Vader says that the Force will basically guide them to the, the plans and the yeah. rebels. There, um, there's this coldness to to the dark side which does seem to also for me and I've, I've read up about it but there's no like there's so many arguments about it, but it does seem to like adhere to atheism like it seems to be like we're the new dawn of just cold scientific kind of like your your beliefs are in the past and they're old and yeah, we don't yeah. want them anymore um, and there's definitely a lot of pro-religion I feel in the Star Wars trilogy for sure yeah um, and at which point Vader who is mocked by this commander uh, choke force chokes him um <laughs> My favorite sex move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, we, but then he's stopped by by Tarkin, um, and then we go back to Tatooine, and Obi Wan and Luke are standing in front of the Jawas transport, which has just been torched, and their bodies have been piled up Aww, and burnt. That was sad. <laughs> None of them are doing that anymore, are they? Um, Obi Wan using his Amazing detective skills convinces Luke that it's this wasn't a sand uh, people attack. It was a stormtrooper attack, which then Luke goes, oh, I've got to get back home. And he races home to find that um, his house has been burnt down. That skeleton's upset me when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember that was really confronting. His, yeah, his that's role. pretty like, where it zooms in traumatic. Like, yeah, so he finds the charred remains of his aunt and uncle. Um, and then this kind of gets over it pretty quick. Gives him the motivation to go back to Obi-Wan and say that he's going to join him on his trip to Alderaan and that he wants to learn the ways of the Force. Never talks about them ever again. No. Forgets them. He's holding him back. Didn't let him go to the Academy. Got what they deserved. <laughs> <laughs> so now they go make their way to Moss Eisley, which is... This is one of my favourite parts of the, uh, the film, I think. Um, it used to be for me. Now I can't see it because they put CGI fucking Jawas on huge... What are they called? Whatever those other creatures... I think it's lizard creatures again, isn't it? Yeah. Because they made a CGI model of that, so let's keep wheeling them out. Yeah. And they're literally the- walking in front of the f- entire frame. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, those things. So, yeah, Obi-Wan... Yeah, so they... Yeah, and they also have that first shot of the speeder going into Mos Eisley, which is, like, all CGI. Yep. And it just looks... It yeah, just looks really bad. It doesn't hold up. And it looks really bad because I think that part, it's so like, like you said, thrown in that you see the kind of practical and real effects and then the CGI and it just... No, it pisses me off it, so it much, man. I could go on about it for ages and I'm not going to, but I'm just like, this was one of the scenes for me. It's one thing to add stuff in the background, which is stupid, mm-hmm. um, but to put CGI that literally walks past your entire frame, yeah. I just turned to you and was like, did the DOP get a word in any of this? Is he not like, what the fuck are you doing with my frames? Uh, uh, George, uh, my, my shot. <laughs> um, yeah, so then we also see Obi-Wan use a Jedi mind trick on the stormtroopers who are looking for the droids and he waves his fingers and says, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Um, and then we get into the cantina, which is awesome, which they didn't really change too much, except one major change, which we'll get to. Um, I was doing the I'll just do it for theme. the whole background. Though, so you keep going. Um, Obi-Wan, who's looking for a pilot to get some order on, goes up to the bar and we see Chewbacca for the first time and he goes into a private conversation. Luke, who's just kind of this young, 
innocent, naive kid is just like looking around, staring at all these amazing a- a- aliens. Well, there is a dude in an astronaut suit who just walks by. There as is well. a dude in an astronaut <laughs> Luke's kind of just looking around going, well, what the fuck? Is that a slug man talking to someone else? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes up to the bar and this man, uh, a character called Cornelius Everson and his friend Ponda Baba. Oh, you got the names. Yeah. Uh, he taps Luke on the shoulder and says, my friend doesn't like you. Uh, I don't like you either. I'm wanted on 10 galaxies or 12 galaxies or something. Or I have death sentences. Um, uh, and Luke says, I'm sorry. And he goes, you'll be dead. Um, at which point, Obi-Wan gets his lightsaber out and chops off his arm. Yep. And then everything just, all the bar stops and then it goes back to normal. Um, have you seen the robot chicken of this? I it's don't one of my so. favorite, favorite robot chicken sketches. What's the name of like, it follows like the guy who doesn't, the guy who's not antagonistic. What's the, the other one's name? Ponda Baba. It, it follows him when he wakes up in the morning. He's having this really sucky day at work. And it's like, I think his wife's cheating on him or something. <laughs> then he goes to see his friend for like some drinks at a bar and he's all sad. And then he turns to Luke and he's like, hey, do you want a drink? But he's saying it in Alien. Then his friend goes, he just said he didn't like you. And he's like, no, no, I didn't say that at all. And they get in this like, big thing. And then he cuts off the guy's arm. And he's like, no. And he has to like, run out panicking. That's so His good. whole life is just ruined. I'll have to watch that. That sounds funny. But we have our, our first arm. This is a reoccurring theme of the Star Wars yep. universe. First arm being chopped off. Mm. Well, we had uh, C-3PO's yeah, arm. Yeah, right. Second arm. Two yep. arms. Second arm. Um, and then Chewie leads after the... the cutting of the arm, Chewie leads uh, Obi-Wan and Luke into another section of the cantina. And it's the first time we meet Han Solo. Yes. Just leaning back in his seat in the little booth. Just cool <laughs> as fuck cool from as the fuck. Yeah. And he's like immediately super cocky, bragging about the speed of his... Um, uh, <laughs> How are you finishing the sentence? <laughs> uh, that he can do the, that he's an amazing smuggler and he can do the, the Kessel Run in... Um, the basis of so many characters from mm-hmm. here on forward in cinema history yeah. and computer game history and just literature. Like this character defined this charming sort of cocky sort of like yeah, mm-hmm. modern version of a swashbuckler. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Um, and he was 35 years old when he played this role. It's crazy. Amazing. Um, so yeah, they start negotiating with him really f- bit that made me laugh is <laughs> everyone's doing the negotiating. Um, Han makes a counter offer and then Luke gets really upset. Angry yeah. <laughs> and he's like hopping and like dad. Yeah, like we could 10,000. We could get our own uh, fighter for that. Um, which is just really funny that he huffs and puffs and Obi-Wan just looks at him. And he's like, okay. <laughs> um, they come to an agreement and then now this next bit is a very, sort of debated bit because it was changed from the original theatrical it's been many times. several times so we have i think we should say this more for christina's benefit because okay. i think anyone listening will know all about it okay so christina just to remind you we get to, after the negotiator we cut to han sitting with the green alien called greedo yes and there greedo is telling han that he owes jabba the hut money and that jabba is going to place, place a bounty on his head and that greedo is there to basically Claim the, the bounty mm-hmm. um, and get the money. Now, in I this, remember, guys. Okay, now in this version, <laughs> they shoot at the same time mm-hmm. under the table. Yeah, Greedo but. Rito misses. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, and Han kills, kills him. him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's what happened. Yeah, I was in, there. In the original theatrical <laughs> release, 
Okay. While they're talking, you see Han unbuckle his pistol. Which we still saw. We yeah. still saw him going for that. it first. Yeah. And basically he shoots Greedo first. Like 100% Gre- he shoots him and first. And Greedo doesn't shoot at all. Oh. So he shoots him and Greedo's going... But when they came back to it later, and this was a period of time when Steven Spielberg was going back to E.T. to replace all guns that the security guards had with walkie-talkies or flashlights. There's versions of E.T. you can watch now. That's how it looks now. They replaced all of the shit to make everything PC. They didn't want anything to be controversial or Mm -hmm. violent. Um, So they didn't want Han Solo to be the one shooting first. So in the new versions, he made Greedo shoot first, clearly. And then people got really angry about it. And they did this thing where they had to CGI Harrison Ford to move yeah, to like dodge right. it, which oh, looked wow. horrible. See, I didn't even notice any of that. I was confused. I thought like, I was like, who? What really happened? Yeah, well, it's kind of confusing. I was a little That's confused. That's what they wanted to end and up I, now. And then at the end, I just assumed like, oh, he just shot. That's how that's, that's how they want you to film now because but people. But then the, with the sound effects, it was it confused confusing, me. Yeah. So they redefined it a bit. They made him dodge it less than CGI, and then they timed the shots so they're more on top of each other. Basically. I see. Okay. Um. So it says here that George Lucas has said that he always intended for Greedo to have shot first. That's why he didn't do that. Yeah, because <laughs> he felt that the idea of Han shooting first depicts him as a cold-blooded killer. Um. He's like because I was thinking mythologically, mythologically. Should he be a cowboy? Should he be John Wayne? And I said, yeah, he should be John Wayne. And when you're John Wayne, you don't shoot people. You let them have a shot first. He said that in 2015. But a lot of people have been so upset about this because they feel that it fundamentally alters Han's character and diminishes his transition from an anti-hero to a hero, which I thought was an interesting point. Yeah. Um, and it I mean, just I, looks kind of funny. It's all like, it just seems so rushed now and unclear. Yeah, yeah. very unclear. Again, it's like, sure, I understand all of his points, but you shoot something, you live by that. Yeah. You know, you don't go back 25 years later and CGI your character to dodge a bullet. That's <laughs> so it. then it's just so dumb. Um, so that happens. And then basically we have their preparation to, to leave and get to Hans Flam to get to the Millennium Falcon in one of the hangars. Now we get to another scene as we're sort of following Obi-Wan and Luke and they we notice they're being followed by someone, but we get to another scene that was added later on in the re-releases and DVD releases, and that's the scene of Han meeting Jabba the Hutt at the Millennium Falcon. I don't, oh, even, so I don't, even, I don't even want to do it. Could you not see how CGI that Jabba the Hutt looks? So like the story about this one... Yeah, no, you don't <laughs> You're lucky it. that... Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is lucky that I don't, you don't. really know much okay, about so this CGI. CGI. <laughs> so this, that scene was filmed with a human playing Jabba the Hutt. Um, but in a su- in in some sort of nope. like costume, costume or yeah, and you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, but as a human as or a human. as an alien, as a human, and I think George oh. Lucas had he was going to do stop motion over yeah. the top, and it would and it was going to it wasn't going to work. So overlay imagery, but not CGI. It was going to be stop motion model, but they didn't have the money or the time to do it. So that whole scene was deleted. Yeah. Well, for me, it shouldn't be there anyway, because why would you send Greedo if you're just next around the corner? It doesn't make any sense. Jabba would just roll into that place. That's like it, true. Yeah. It, and, uh, and he let him go so easily. It, yeah. It slows it down. So now it's this horrible CGI thing, which looks dreadful. And then Harrison Ford walks over his tail in yes. the most horribly oh, community. So the story of that <laughs> oh. is because they shot with the human, he walks behind the human. But then obviously Jabba has a tail, so they had to do this weird like... So I make it look like he was walking over it when oh, he wasn't. Oh, man. And so I was looking on YouTube last night. They've, there was the original, I think, like 99 version of that, of that scene with Jabba. Um, 
97 special edition and then in 2004 they remodeled Jabba and did it again. yeah so this is the nicest looking version of that scene um, and it's just such a dumb pointless scene it's dumb like especially after a Greedo speech where he says that Jabba's put a bounty on his head yeah. and then in that scene Jabba's saying I'm going to put a bounty on your head yeah like, Give me the money. It's so fucking Dumb. stupid. But do they do all of this, this new like add-ons and CGI so that the true fans, so that the fans could keep buying all these new no, versions of it? No, I don't even think in George Lucas's deluded head. He does it purely for himself. Um, and I'll give a little... Yeah, you yeah, go on later. We'll it's do probably, one. The, probably same the same point. one, yeah. Um, here's a statement about it. He just... He, it's, it's all for him. Like, he's not... He's not worried. He's, he's a billionaire. He doesn't he's just mean. fixing what, what bothers him. Yeah, it's all about him. He knows the fans hate it. Like, the fans unanimously... This is probably in the history of cinema. These changes are the most unanimously <laughs> hated changes in any film <laughs> of all time. Um, particularly, potentially more in the sequels that we'll get to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he doesn't give a shit. Because yeah. does not care. Um... Yeah, I had some another point I was going to make, but I forgot. It's not important because we hated that bit. Um, uh, so yeah, then they set course for Alderaan. Um, they're followed um, uh, by Imperial cruisers as they make the jump to light speed. They do suddenly when they get to the coordinates of Alderaan. Oh no, wait. We cut back to the Death Star and Princess Leia is brought out in front of... Um, Tarkin and Darth Vader who have set course to Alderaan and he asks Princess Leia one more time where's the rebel base she doesn't say and he's like well I'm going to give you a demonstration of this bring out the needle orb things no this is I'm going to give you a demonstration of the death oh, of yeah. power it's fully operational oh, yeah but that needle orb the thing do they even what is that they gave her a shot of something to try maybe like a truth serum yeah a truth serum yeah. oh Despite that didn't work on that. her I think Vader is saying that he would use the force to. Yeah. But then he comes in with the. The force well, comes in syringes think? nowadays. Because um, his force isn't strong enough. No. The force is not strong in an in old Darth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she panics because they're going to blow up a pan and she reveals that the base is on Dantooine, but then Tarkin still blows up the planet. Um, we cut back to the Millennium Falcon, and one of my favorite lines in the film actually is when. Um, Luke's doing his lightsaber training and Obi-Wan suddenly stops and he says, I feel a great disturbance in the force. Like a million voices screamed in terror and then were suddenly silent. Another line that could just be like really hacky and yeah. cheesy, but his delivery is just uh, I like it. Really sincere. He's what, really likable. Yeah. 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 He just got a gravity to him. Yeah. He's the heart of the movie. Yeah, you think? I think so. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I yeah, think okay. I think Yeah, that makes sense because then when you lose him like that. He's like the bigger, more emotional pull at the end. Mm -hmm. um, um, is this where we get the holographic chess game? Because it's one of my yep. favorite things. And it is. Uh, actually, I didn't even write that down. Yeah, I think it's in this bit where they're hanging out in the yeah. Falcon. And they've actually made this on HoloLens for Xbox, yeah. which sadly they haven't released yet. But you can actually yeah, play holographic chess on a real table. Augmented reality. Augmented. A yeah, and so at this point we start seeing that um, Luke has started his Jedi training um, with the lightsaber. Oh, we have a great scene, uh, a great moment of of Han Solo being like, "Your hokey religions, uh, yeah." There's nothing like the oh, agnostic boy. Yeah, like you know, he's been across the galaxy and he's seen a lot of weird stuff, but nothing to believe, make him believe that there's one mm -hmm. kind of force field. Um, which at that point, Obi Wan's like, "Here you go, Luke. Put this <laughs> blaster mask on." 
and show him. And he does. Um, um, I, I put this down because this is a great training scene and a rare training scene in that it's not a montage. I feel mm-hmm. like normally if you get this kind of thing in a film, you get some music, you get a few yeah. cuts of him training. It's like, no, we just get one quite long scene. Yeah. Um, and that's all we get. Yeah. I know that's the only thing. But to be fair, he doesn't use the force much yet in this film. True. So it's strange if you're thinking about this film just as a one-off film and you're not knowing it's going to get sequels. It's kind of weird because they're building him up as, oh, you're going to be a Jedi master. Yeah. So you don't really do anything. Like yeah. he does one thing at the end with the force and that's it. It's very brief. Yeah. Um, there's no lightsaber battle. The training him with a lightsaber, he never uses it mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, but he barely had any training, so it'd be silly. He would. He would die. Yeah, but I feel this is like these aspects for me of his character arc only work in the context of sequels. For sure. Mm-hmm. If you're watching this as a one off, it's like, well, Luke's character is kind of stupid. It doesn't. Yeah, really... like the development's not. Yeah. They spend time on stuff that, that you don't deep. need. Yeah. yeah, and it's great. I mean, I, yeah, because he just he finishes the training and he's like, see, trust your feelings. Pats him on the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess and you I can remember, forgive a lot because it is there's so many of them. Yeah, but it's just less like so we didn't they didn't know for sure, but I guess he had hopes. I remember as a kid though then putting on helmets and swinging at stuff <laughs> and trying to see if you could feel it. <laughs> yeah, for Did sure. Did you feel the force, Al? Well, no, I don't want to get into these stories. We'll do this in a different one. <laughs> oh, I used to do it. certain things to do with energy, to do with fighting for energy and then feeling stuff with energy, like more like Daredevil. I was really into Daredevil as a kid. Yeah. So using stuff to do with reverberations and then like feeling energy off of stuff, which you certainly can. Like mm-hmm. it's partly just like the particles around you affected by your existence or whether you believe in an aura or whatever you think So you is. felt the force. I felt the fucking force. I knew it. I'm feeling the force right now. <laughs> um, Take your hands away from under the table. Yeah. So then they come out of hyperdrive, uh, supposedly meant to arrive at Alderaan. There's nothing there. Just rocks. Where did it go? Rocks. Where's it gone? They're it was blown up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the spoiler. Yeah, it was blown up. They didn't know that. Suddenly a TIE fighter flies past and they're like, that's too far from anywhere. What's it doing? Oh, no, it's heading towards that moon. That's no moon. No. <laughs> Genuinely quite a creepy moment, I still yeah. find. When they're just yeah. like, oh, let's follow it. And you're just in space and you're like, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, at which point Obi-Wan tells them to turn around immediately. But by that point, they're already caught in the tractor beam. Um, they get drawn into the Death Star. Uh, when they land in the Death Star, troops go in, but they're nowhere to be seen. Vader comes down to inspect the ship. Troopers tell him that no one's on board um, and that the log said they abandoned ship. And then Vader has a moment where he goes, I feel about a cover of the light. He says, I uh, sense a presence I have not felt yeah. in. So I felt something, something I haven't felt since. And then he dot, just walks dot, off. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Looks there, and he walks off. I felt something I haven't felt since. Well, he's saying it to himself. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing. Can he not have an inner monologue? Yeah. Does he have to always say everything out loud? Um, <laughs> so the group, they're hiding in a secret compartment that Han uses to smuggle with. He's oh, like, I never okay. thought I'd, I never thought I'd smuggle myself. Um, people come in to inspect the ship. They obviously get... Um, Luke and Han tricked stormtroopers to come in, steal their outfits, and then they plan what they're going to do. Obi-Wan says, I'm going to go deactivate, disengage the tractor beam so we can fly out of here. Um, and they go into like a little control center. R2 finds out where that is. Obi-Wan says, I have to do this on my own. And Luke goes, you can't go on your own. Let me come with you. He's like, no, 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 no. you have to stay here. Um, You're too annoying. You have, yeah, he's like, you have to mine the droids because they're too precious. You have to get them back and plans like blah, blah, blah. Plus, you'll probably fall over something and embarrass me. 
And then while they're doing that, uh, uh, Han's like, oh, what have you got me into? Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going anywhere. This old man's crazy, kooky old dude. And then R2's like, oh, I found the princess when he's like logging into the... The, uh, to look at porn or something. What's he doing? He's just like logging in. I thought that little prop thing, like his little... The little pincer thing. Yeah, that goes in. I thought yeah. it just looks so cool. Yeah, I like it. Because um, they do it earlier in the film, but he literally just like, he rests a metal like spatula on something and then yeah. he's activated <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. But at this point, you actually see it slot in and turn. And Yeah, and just like the mechanics of that look really yeah, awesome cool. as far as prop building. Um, and then so Luke's like, oh, okay, we have to... Um, rescue the princess before she's terminated Han's like no I'm not rescuing any princess and then Han uh, Luke persuades him with money and um, money 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 and he's like okay so they pretend that Chewie's a prisoner um, and take him up to the containment cells and at this I, point I we, love when Chewie finds off the little droid box yeah that's cool oh my gosh that was cute <laughs> Chewie's cool um, and there's like funny for bits that I found kind of funny now watching it where it sort of cuts back to moments of Obi-Wan like sneaking. Yeah, he's <laughs> sneaking like pink panthering. Yeah, like behind columns and then crawling. Um, and those for me, yeah, it just felt kind of a bit a bit funny Yeah, watching it through this. There's movie. a lot of the movie in this thing. Like I was writing my notes because I was just worried as we were doing it with the time of this podcast because like most of my notes were like, I've just learned with the beginning of the film. And yeah. then a lot of the film is just this section of the movie which goes by pretty quickly because yeah. it's just like, yeah, releasing people and end up shooting stuff. That shoot up that happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like a lot of the movie in in the Death Star, mm-hmm. um, which I'd for- completely forgotten about this entire section. Yeah. Um, so then they get up to the guards, uh, destroy the guards. Luke goes in, finds Leia asleep in a cell. She says, "You're awfully like you're too." She's not just small. asleep in the cell. She's lying out in like a weird sexual manner on yep. a really hard surface with yep. way too much makeup on. Yep, looking very comfortable. Yeah, she's like pretending she's doing that acting <laughs> thing of like I'm gonna make this work somehow, but yep. the set designers did not think of me. <laughs> uh, she uh, gets up and says that he looks very small for a stormtrooper. Um, at this point, Vader finds Tarkin and says that he felt a tremor in the force and that he knows Obi-Wan is here. Um, Tarkin sends troopers, stormtroopers to the prison cells. 3PO and R2 tell them that their access has been restricted. So Leia shoots a grate and they all jump down the garbage chute. How do these, how do these um, shooting scenes work? for you, Christina, like a modern... Because these are the things... Like, I feel action's a place where old films really creak quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, okay. So I thought about this. I don't really like action films like it's not my go-to film and in the beginning the first action scene like the first uh gun thing yeah yeah the opening it wasn't really exciting for me and i felt like the whole um capturing of princess leia was not that exciting i felt they just like grabbed her and took her like there was Mm -hmm. no fights or nothing so but gradually gets a little better okay Okay. Yeah. So you prefer this scene was a bit more effective, you feel, then? Yeah. Because actually, most each scene for me got better and better. Oh, really? The fight scenes. Okay. Like my favorite one was the um, the ship one. Oh right, right. The, the bat- final battle at the end. Yeah, the um, fight troopers. Okay. That was the first. That was really the first one that was suspenseful. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I remembered like last time I saw this film, being oh my god, the fight scenes are really kind of don't hold up but yeah. i was kind of surprised i was like yeah it's all right like it's edited quickly this yeah. scene that we have 
in that corridor before she blasts it and then they dive down. I noticed and I wrote it down. I might be wrong, but it's the only place in the whole film that I could notice a handheld shot with the camera. Mm. There's one shot. Nice. And I was like, oh, and I suddenly felt like, oh, there's an energy here. And I was oh, it's because it's handheld. Mm. And I thought, oh, is he going to do handheld for the rest of the scene? Like, nope. Mm -hmm. It clearly was just like one they had to grab very quickly. And so I was like, yeah, but the stick's already in the van. Oh, oh, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) So like, fuck it, just hold the camera. Yeah. Um, And it really works for me. And I do think with the action scenes like i think the editing's good i think the acting's good we'll get to the sword fights later for that that they don't work so well for me yep. but for shooting it's just like yeah i feel if you just handheld cameras it would have more energy to it mm. and it would feel mm-hmm. more contemporary um yeah yeah i'm just interested how they stand up because we yeah, are we're getting into a lot of battles for this part yeah. half of the yeah. movie and if they don't hold up that kind of would ruin it for someone but that trash shoot I mean, the <laughs> yes. trash that they fall upon, which is, I'm guessing, metal scraps, are, so, I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. foam. It's so obvious. <laughs> so it's like. That's so funny you mentioned that. I never thought so about it. It's so foamy. Yeah. And it was so like, obvious this yeah, time. Yeah, so obvious. Like, especially the thing that they put in the middle. To, to prop up the walls from yeah, closing in on them. Stop it. That yeah. rod I, was so flimsy. Yeah, and I had the moment like. Where they went down, I think Luke or Han or maybe both of them went went in head first. Yeah, yeah. And then it cut to it, and I had that same thought. I was like, "That's all metal trash." Yeah, <laughs> you just cut up your head. face. Yeah, yeah. How, how are none of them cut up? I always think I saw it more other than that arms. bar, which yeah, for sure looks stupid. But everything else, I think I always just thought it was more like garbage. I was just like, oh, it's like I didn't see it as metal for some reason. Right. But yeah, now you look at it, it's like yeah, it's definitely meant to be yeah. metal. Mm-hmm. It's a bad decision. They could have just done garbage. Yeah. Just like whatever snackables the yeah. Empire eats in their That's lunchtime. Trash. <laughs> yeah, food, trash. Um, yeah, so they're obviously in the trash compactor. Um, Luke gets wrapped around, gets a big tentacle monster thing wrapping around his leg, yeah. um, which then tries to drown him and suddenly it lets go and they don't know why, but then that's the kind of cue that the <laughs> trash compactor and the walls are going to start But then also, in. like, they're standing in this water that's not even up to their knees, yeah. right? It's pretty shallow, but then he completely disappears. Yeah. He goes under. Another good point. That's true. Very good point. That is true. I but, do like, but I do like. You've just least. destroyed the whole franchise. <laughs> Thank you for ruining Star Wars for us. But I love that George Lucas. At this point, he just can't resist just throwing in more creatures all the time. I yeah. love the creatures that he has. They're great. That's a big plus. And you just get an eyeball come out and like look I around. I know that was cute. Uh, <laughs> the walls, though, when the walls are closing, that was suspenseful. Yeah. Yes. I remember that scene being really terrifying. Yeah, when I was that a kid. terrified yeah. me. That bit's really cool, and I love how. Uh, so, th- so then we have Luke who realizes he's got the, uh, microphone intercom thing. He's trying to contact 3PO. Mm-hmm. And then we have, while well, 3PO is in the control room, we have the very famous scene of the stormtroopers coming into where they are and yep. the stormtrooper hitting his head on the, um, door, the sliding door thing. And I think so they've that added was a really sound good. effect to that now. Yeah. Cause there's a donk. There's a c- very clear it. donk. Yep. Yeah. Oh. They've definitely big that up now as a trademark um so that's very funny so congratulations Jules lucas you uh, added one good thing <laughs> to yeah. your revamped version oh uh, and then we have luke finally getting through to 3po um and just in time telling him to stop the the trash compactor um 
which they which R2 does and they celebrate and I love this bit where then 3PO is just yeah completely uh, like devastated because he thinks their celebration so is dead. Let's listen to them R2. <laughs> listen to their scream. So good. <laughs> that bit is very very funny. I love it. That's um, those droids yeah. get you every time. Um then we cut to Obi-Wan, he deactivates the um, tractor beam and then sneaks off again <laughs> back into the Death yeah. Star. The group make way back to like a little, the first control room where they find their clothes um, and they get changed. Very important. Yeah. Um, and then- <laughs> I so- wouldn't give a shit about my clothes. I got to be honest, at I that know. point, when exactly. the Empire's after me, I'm like, fuck it. Um, I didn't even notice that. So they took, why couldn't they just put the costume? It's actually on? just Luke and- Han that get changed because yeah, Leia's, they're the only ones in costume. Yeah, Leia's still got her Leia's just stinky, in her regular costume, stinky rags on. Which we should have mentioned at some point. Her poor Carrie Fisher had to duct tape down her boobs throughout this entire film. Why? Because George Lucas refused that there would be underwear in space, so she wasn't allowed to wear underwear, and her boobs were too big for how old she was meant to be playing. She was 21 when she did this, but she was meant to be like a bit younger, um, and they wanted her to look more, less womanly. Um, and her boobs were too big, so she had to literally duct tape them down oh, for every single shot. She Thanks, made. George. Um, <laughs> now this is the fun point where we finally uh, Obi Wan finally confronts Vader, who's there waiting for him with his lightsaber um, ignited. Uh, he confronts Obi Wan and says, "When we last met, you were the master, um, and I was the apprentice, or whatever." Sorry, I've gotten all the. No, he says, "Hey, Darth." <laughs> Yeah, he's Darth. Um, and, he, and then he basically says, now I'm the master. Have we had the, have we had the guy get what Han Solo runs into the room of Stormtroopers and then turns around and runs away again? Not yet. Oh, okay. With Chewie. Spoilers. <laughs> it's about to happen. Um, yeah, so... Oh, maybe we have. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, yeah, you're right. Okay. So, yeah, the group, they get changed and then they are going to go back to the ship and then they run into Stormtroopers. Um, Luke and Leia... Um, go together and Han and Chewie go together. Han chases a bunch of stormtroopers down a corridor um, to reach the end of the corridor and realize there's just like a whole yeah, but battalion of them. This is the other place, another place for me where I'm going to point out egregious additions that they've done. Because it used to be he ran into that room and there were a handful of stormtroopers. Yeah. But just too many was like, oh shit, and turn around and run away. Now it's a legion. Yeah. Just It's yeah, like it's that scene lot. in Wayne's World where he opens the door and there's all these people preparing for karate. And <laughs> it's just like all these people just waiting for nothing, just yeah. standing in CGI roads. And that's what Lucas added in. Oh, you know what? Make this scene that's already funny and people love even funnier, more Stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he just flooded that whole room with them and pisses me off. Yeah, that's fair enough. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Then, so then we get to the Obi-Wan confrontation and then they start their lightsaber battle. They now, do. Battle is a very liberal word for this. Yeah, sort of where the progression of these lightsaber fights ends up in the franchise or how they develop mm. this... Mm. How, um, just doesn't hold anymore no uh christina it was uneventful was that the right word yeah yeah i mean unless unless you mean eventful then it's wrong so he decides he looks at luke and decides to go yeah Mm -hmm. and lets darth kill him yeah but with a smile yeah but does does he kill him or does he just disappear you will kind We of, don't know, right? Well, we don't really know. Well, he says he says to Darth Vader, "If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than yes. you." Yes. 
then he just becomes like one with the he force. becomes one with the force and then that's how not, he's no longer a physical entity yeah and that's why luke becomes so because then he joins his, to his luke. force is so yeah. strong then he's just possessing luke <laughs> yeah. i see okay like okay. a part of luke's so he brain. goes into yeah. luke i see okay does he doesn't go into no luke. so he, <laughs> he jumps luke in without luke. his without so luke his consent <laughs> <laughs> and obi-wan r1 yeah there you go he doesn't necessarily get his powers but it just means he can be there like a spiritual guide oh, i see yeah, yeah that's why was. luke could hear him and yeah. things like that yeah i mean yeah that wasn't that uh i would argue exciting he's, i would argue I, he's I not become stronger <laughs> i always had this problem as a kid is like he could he could all he can do now is talk to luke he could do that before when he was yeah, alive yeah. he just had to lean over and talk to him so all he added is he doesn't have to travel places. Mm-hmm. He can always talk to Luke without getting on a plane. Yeah. But he can't physically do anything. So I would argue he's not as strong. He's like a guardian angel. Yeah. But you can be that in person. No. I mean, maybe if he was very powerful with the force. And I think that... And he tr- could. But why, like, why do I... If from what I'm saying to you, why is it more like, relevant if I say leave? it in why your head to go? as to if I just say it to you now? I think it's different spirits. I think that choice <laughs> Come on, Al. and no, that mythology on becomes clearer and explained through the prequels. Excellent. And he's also like passing on the torch. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. And one of Anakin's desires in Revenge of the Sith. Okay, okay. So I, mean, I never got through it. So there you go. He did say he was old. He did. He did. And you know, his time was coming. Yeah. 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 So my he chooses issue, to be a martyr. So he had basically. a pass on the torch. Yeah, he chooses to be a martyr. He wants to affect Luke enough. Yeah. My issue with um, that scene is is more just the choreography and editing of it. Yeah. Because oh, clearly yeah. you have older actors, mm-hmm. but shooting and one of them's in a and choreograph it in a way that is less revealing of that. Yeah. I feel like whether you it's close. I don't know because. Because I and maybe this wasn't developed yet, but the idea in mythology is that he's still a Jedi, so he would still have. You look at like, um, oh god, I forgot his name, Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. It's Count Dooku in yeah. the prequels, older actor, but they still. I mean, I guess in that they used some CGI to like show a bit of agility, but it just felt like it felt so clunky and. Oh, it's really clunky. I don't like the scene at all. Like, yeah. it doesn't work for me at all. And it's the only bit where I am 100% like, yeah, this is a film from the 70s. They yeah. didn't, like, people, there's no choreography going on. And you could still do good choreography in the 70s. For sure. But not, like, yeah, martial arts and stuff wasn't really coming about. Like, Bruce Lee changed all of that stuff and mm. how he's handled it in films. Um, and he hadn't like, had the proper effect. And you got one guy who's in a robot suit, basically. Yeah, and another man's an elderly English yeah, gentleman. Yeah. It's like, it's never going to work out. Like, mm-hmm. it's just got his odds stacked against it. And it's just a shame, again, if this was the only Star Wars film, that the only lightsaber fight you see is pretty yeah, yeah. bad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't last too long, at least. So you kind of get in and out of the lightsaber fight pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep. it, you know, it does its job. It definitely feels old-fashioned, though. I will say that. Certainly does. Um, so, yeah, once... The sound effects, again, though, of the lightsaber battle, they hold up. I think the effects of how the lightsabers look, look cool. It's yeah. just what they're doing with it don't look cool. Oh, you know what I really liked was when Ramen. Obi-Wan Kenobi was... Full naming. <laughs> Very proud of you right now. On that circular thing when he was, I don't know, doing something with the controls. Yeah, it was turning tractor off beam. the tractor beam. Yes. Ooh. Yes. That shot 
was cool because it looked like because he was just kind of like it scared me okay i have a fear of heights and just that drop into like black nothingness yeah like a matte painting background which is great that Mm -hmm. that worked that affected me because yeah we're watching it and i suddenly heard you go oh i don't like this yeah (laughs) i was like what yeah tractor beams (laughs) (laughs) like english men standing on ledges yeah so that whole that whole uh room that he was in was pretty cool okay yeah cool interesting but it wasn't a hole, was it? It wasn't what? A hole. Was it just painted black floor? No, yeah, it's just a painted... God. Just yeah. a painting. That's how they used to... Because now you'd CGI that stuff in. They used to actually do physical paintings with glass and stuff. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so then... <laughs> what you got to, what you got to say to that, gotta Alex? Say. You want us to shut up? <laughs> yeah, fine. Um, so Obi-Wan Kenobi, full name, takes his meditative stance. Vader strikes him. And he disappears, and so then Vader like steps on his cloak just to make sure. And at this point, Luke <laughs> he does his yeah. Turn. That's why I also thought like, oh, maybe he just like vanished. Yeah, because it made it seem like that's not a natural thing that happens when you get hit with a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, oh, like, I see. You know, like just teleporting. Like, oh, where did his body go? Mm-hmm, that's true. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I love that all the stormtroopers rush over and, oh, I wonder what's the show yeah. <laughs> and they just stand there and watch it and then I looked over as Obi-Wan died I looked over to Christina and you looked confused and sad <laughs> and equal match your face like, huh? <laughs> because I wasn't sure did he die or did he just transport um well, lucky you didn't react like Luke, who screams. <laughs> nice, nice segue. <laughs> no! Alerting the stormtroopers who stopped guarding the Millennium Falcon to go have a look. Luke. Um, who turn around and start shooting. At this point, for the very first time, like almost immediately after it happens, Luke hears Obi-Wan's voice. He says, Luke, run, Luke. Run, oh, run Luke, run. 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 Um, so they run to the Falcon, shooting the Stormtroopers. Falcon escapes um, the Death Star, but is chased by TIE Fighters. And this is the first time we see Han and Luke sort of get to the gun turrets. And Yeah, you don't need to see the tool. It's fantastic. Like, it's so fight. good. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for it to be there. You don't need more shooting. Like, you feel like you're at the end of the movie already with that mm-hmm. lightsaber yeah. battle. And yeah. instead, you then get this whole new thing. It's only like 15 minutes really left in the movie, and they fit in two more big fights. Yep. So that's cool. They fight them off. My favorite Darth Vader shot, by the way. Is that bit when they're running back onto the Millennium Falcon? The stormtroopers are running after them, and Darth Vader's walking towards yeah. them, but in the background, and then the door blast or closes on him yep. just before he gets to it. Love it. That's oh, that little. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, and he just looks menacing. He's just like, I'm yeah. fucking coming for you right now. But because he's in the background and they don't draw attention for it, it's got like an it follows chill to me. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, that is a really cool shot. Um, so then they arrive on Yavin Four, which is a moon of the planet Yavin. Um, the Death Star plans are uploaded from R2. Um, and then the Death Star, which had put a, uh, the, they put a homing beacon on the Millennium Falcon, despite Han thinking that was impossible, even though Leia was like, they have. Impossible. Yeah. Uh, oh, the ship. Death Star arrives at Yavin and basically has to spend like 20 minutes orbiting the planet to get to Yavin 4, where the base is, which it plans to destroy. The Rebel pilots are briefed on their mission and the weakness of the Death Star. Very quickly. We like Very blitz quickly, through this. Yeah. Um, which at which point is the really funny kind of continuation of Luke being a bit of a jerk line yeah. where um, I think it might be Wedge says they have like a two meter um, target to aim at to fire the proton uh, missiles or whatever at um, to destroy the Death Star and Wedge is like that's impossible and Luke turns to him and says that's not impossible i used to shoot womp rats like that in my t16 back home they were no more than two meters 
And then that's all. The guy's like, all right, fuck (laughs) you, buddy. Yeah. Um, Death Star approaches Yavin. (laughs) Tito break. Sorry. (laughs) Vader proclaims that he has destroyed um, Obi-Wan and now this is the end of the rebellion. Um, They get ready to board their their X-Wings. Luke runs into Han. Han's like, I'm done. I got to pay off my debt to Jabba. Invites Luke to join him. And Luke's like, nah. I'm not going to do that. Like, look around you. Guilt trips him. Yeah, look around you. And Han, Han's like, no, that mission's suicide. And then Luke says, all you think about is yourself. And then kind of sulks off. And I think we all had a good laugh at that as well. Yeah. Because he's good. a bit sulky. And then we cut to a scene, which again was added, um, which is a scene between Luke and Biggs, mm-hmm. um, where they're talking about like, Biggs is basically saying, oh, I want to hear all your stories and what you've been up to. And they're like, let's exchange stories after we go on this not we finished this death mission. <laughs> yeah. So I want to hear. I know. Story. Did he survive? I didn't even notice. No, so he dies. So then the, the story behind this. So he. So Luke is the only one that survived that mission. Well, there's others, but this particular pilot. So this, the, the story about this added scene, which I only found out yesterday, is that Biggs Dark Lighter. He mentions Biggs when he's talking to his uncle. Yeah. Uh, he says Biggs went it. to the academy last mm. year, and apparently there was a sh- scene shot on Tatooine where. Luke runs into Biggs, I think, in Mos Eisley, and Biggs is telling him about what he's been up to, basically. And Luke's so why like, wouldn't you include that scene for context of this scene? So they put this scene in because they wanted it to add to the weight of Luke's reaction when Biggs dies, when he gets shot down by Vader. I didn't even notice it. Which you don't oh, I didn't notice, notice the so reaction. Great. That's why I wasn't sure he, if he died or not. He pauses for a second, but there's no... F- for me, there's like no added weight. It's just like a pause of, oh, I've lost another No, because you literally learn about him a minute before. Exactly. So that was added for that reason. That's stupid. Um, and Biggs like says Luke's is a great pilot and they can't wait to catch up. Um, anyway, they we go into the final battle now. The rebel fleet leaves. Yeah, Via a CGI squadron shot that was added. Yep. With all the, When you see that entire fleet flying by the moon or planet or whatever it is. That's big, right. Big old CGI shot. Oh, and actually a question, just rewinding back to when they first arrive on Yavin 4. God to any people listening to this that can perhaps inform us, uh, why does the man on the little tower point like yeah. this speedometer? <laughs> I, I want to know. Radar gun thing at the ships. He reoccurs through so many of the films. Yeah. And it's like, is he just crazy Joe with yeah. a speedometer? And he thinks yeah. he's got some jurisdiction over how fast the ships are flying. Mm-hmm. No one else listens to him. He just calls in. Uh, that ship was going <laughs> over the limit. All right, crazy Joe. We're in a fucking rebel alliance right now. Exactly. So if anyone can answer what crazy Joe is doing, that'd be I good. thought he was scanning the ships to see if they were good or bad. Be too late at that point. God damn. Yeah, they're already there. He's I guess. Crazy Joe's dead if they're bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's out of luck. It's like with his little hand scanner. He maybe. just ordered it for Amazon. Then why is He's he there? Why is he there? Maybe I don't know. He was like, you know, he was the the dark horse in his family. He was just a real hopeless loser, but his dad was like a general in the rebellion, so he needed a job. So he's like, here, give him this scanner. It's not even real. Go on that tower. <laughs> you got to do something useful with your life, Joe. Go on that tower, Joe, and just, just that, scan that, the They all call me Crazy that. Joe. No, don't worry about it. You're doing the most important job of the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's the... I think Maybe he was just checking the weather. The weather checker. Exactly. Weather exactly. checker. <laughs> um, Can I say, Christina, as you ate that crisp, I love that you're still in the habit of whenever you eat, you turn to me and go, shh. That's <laughs> <laughs> all that means an eating problem. Um, so the rebel fleet leaves Yavin. Luke hears Obi-Wan's voice again to just like trust the force, whatever. Um, and then we whatever. go into the final battle and the big trench runs. Um, 
realizing that the cannons can't shoot the fighters, Vader prepares to go out himself, and he has two little, little tiny pilots. Tiny little dudes. <laughs> that follow him, that march behind him to get into their own TIE fighters. So they do the trench runs, um, Vader gets out, starts shooting up all the guys around Luke. Um, well, well, well no, trying so to screw back in his steering wheel. Constantly apparently. screwing something every in. time you get to his shot. Yeah, what was that? Don't know. I like how that you turned to me and pretended like it was a little flask that he, yeah, would I thought he had and a little drink. whiskey glass. Every yeah. time you cut back to me, he's just putting the cap back on. <laughs> Maybe yeah, his exactly. wheel was like loose. I think it'd be a fun drinking <laughs> game to play with Star Wars. Whenever Darth Vader's just finished having a drink, you gotta take a swing. Yeah. So the 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 Y wings go in to do the the run. They get destroyed. Some X-Wings go in, they get picked off one by one, and then finally it's Luke's turn to go in. He turns on his computer, hears Obi-Wan say, trust your feelings, Luke, use computer. the Force, turns it off. At, at Yavin 4, they're like, oh, shit, Luke, you turned on your computer, buddy, you gotta use the computer. Luke's like, I got this. Um, Used to hear Womp Rats. But then suddenly Vader and his, uh, his little pilot said, coming in, he has Luke in his sights. This is a bit that I thought was strange, because he has Luke in he, He's tagging Luke. He says, the force is strong with this one. Locks Luke in his sight. Mm-hmm. Fires. Yep. Han Solo comes in, shoots the TIE fighter next to Darth Vader. Confirmed. Which then hits the trench wall, bounces back, shoots Darth Vader off into space. Yep. Yet... His shot still went off. His shot still went off, but didn't hit Luke. Yeah, I think they're trying to go with like it all happens at the same time. So just as he fires, he it will like change the trajectory. Mm-hmm. But it's not how it is in the edit. It's not. Darth Vader definitely shoots, and he would have shot him and killed him. So Darth Vader is floating over space. So from Darth this point on, goes, Luke is Luke is a ghost to us. There's no. All right. So in this battle. The music drops out for a long time. Mm-hmm. I have actually read, and I can't be bothered because it's literally about 400 changes throughout these movies that he made. But they actually changed bits of music as well um, in the new versions. I don't know if it was always this way, but I do have to say it works really effectively that they drop out music for a lot of this last fight. Yeah. And then they bring it in just when Luke's getting determined. And it's like... And it's really cool. But then... Han Solo comes in and you don't get any sort of like there's no triumphant Han Solo music they're still like nah fuck you back to Luke and they just like the music ignores him completely which I found weird I wanted like a triumphant like one little horn yeah his entrance wasn't as welcoming as it should have been it's not very exciting to the audience oh you get the Mm -hmm. wahoo wahoo that's pretty exciting Um, and then Darth Vader you have him just looking around and at that point in this whole scene you see his the actor's eyes so oh, yeah. much yeah, 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 reflecting yeah. off the red lenses um which i remember as a kid being very surprised at the first time i noticed and then as i've gotten older i just find it sometimes a bit a little distracting yeah you shouldn't if for me it's like halloween and friday 13th you shouldn't see the killer's eyes yeah baddies are better when you don't see their eyes when you don't mm. empathize with them i think you should emphasize with their actions maybe but if you want them to be spooky like that like mm-hmm. yeah, it's good not to see their eyeballs um so using the force, Luke finally fires the proton torpedoes. That's the word I was looking for before. Gets in the, the two-meter hole, just like when he was shooting Womp Rats in his T-16 back home. Boom, thing explodes. Big old explosion. Yeah! Everyone's cheering. They get back to, the, to Yavin 4. Everyone's clapping. Luke's like, yeah, he has a real... He's so happy. He gives, he gives Han a really kind of like excited hug. Mounts him which, like a uh, tree. Han then kind of like slap pushes his face. <laughs> yeah. And then they all walk off, and then like R2D2's all fucked up. He's like, ah, you'll be fine. And they all walk off laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we cut to the medal ceremony. Another funny internet thing you can find is this medal ceremony with the score removed. 
so you just hear them like marching and uh very very funny um yeah princess leia gives han and um luke their medals 3po and r2d2 are looking really polished chewie doesn't get a medal what the fuck like being co-pilot what's that about and uh, you know like it, you know the film ends with Chewie screaming mm-hmm. surely what he's screaming is you bunch of fuckers <laughs> I did so much and I don't even get a medal there's huge racism going on in this R2-D2 movie. didn't get anything either and he was in there's droidism there's racism all, yeah. it's all around um, and then that's it boom cut dun, the credits dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 and then the finishing uh, score yeah and that is our film. Perfectly illustrated. Done. All right, let's go. One down. Eight <laughs> um, more to go. Nine I, more to go. I never liked the ceremony at the end, I have to say. For me, it was always too self-congratulatory. It was such a weird, like, hey, we're in a movie kind of scene. It just didn't feel right. The only thing I like about it is you see Princess Leia as a princess for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was kind of cool. I um, liked it because of that. And you see the size of the re- rebel forces. Yeah, but it just feels too much like, didn't we do good? Everything's yeah. great. And I don't know, I just didn't really like... Darth Vader's still spinning around in space with no... He's got nowhere to go. That worried me this time. Where's he going? Yeah, so everything's gone. Yeah. Death Star died. Where's he going to fly to? How much petrol did he put in his little vehicle? Because that's Unless like, he has a secret, another another hub somewhere with do. more people. Secret moon base. Yeah. I think... Um, I remember reading it somewhere in the You can't put all his eggs in like one basket. Where, no, he, where he ends up flying to and what star cruiser picks him up and... He looks like a preparer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to be. But that's so that is if that was gonna be the only film, like that's an interesting way to, yeah, to end it too. Like true. not have your villain yeah, die. Still out there. Just he floats off into space. But maybe that is kind of meant to well, if we wanted him to be dead, he could be dead because he's left. Or maybe yeah, someone picks him up, Alla Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Um How would you have ended it then? Would you have <sighs> just Yeah, where would you have ended it? I don't, I don't know. I'll be honest. The ending of this movie never really excited me. Like from when you get this whole end bit with the which everybody loves, I know the X Men fighters and the whole like fight at the Death Star. I never really liked it. Yeah, it never really did much for me as a kid. Watching it this time, I was like, yeah, it's serviceable. It's fine. Um, it doesn't do it for me. All the other bits, it's more the character interaction does it more mm-hmm. for me um, than the battles. Um, so I don't know. I really don't know. But that's why the film we're about to get to next week is is the one that excites me more because yeah. of yeah how's the ending and all the other elements like it's more my kind of movie because that death star part even though we know from the the setup and the arc that it's about those getting the plans back to the rebels yeah it's like you said the ending there's like almost a natural ending feel to to obi-wan's death and them leaving the death star yeah and knowing they're getting the plans back. yeah it almost kind of feels like a little coder on the end of that yeah and then they do really rush through the next bit like i could totally see it as yeah you start even the next film with that battle and it goes wrong or something like that. Mm. But that's obviously not the way that this narrative goes. So interesting. Um, all right. So before we get to our opinions on it, whether we would recommend it to people. And I feel with these films, we should definitely recommend like talk about it for modern people. Like it's gotta be, and it's not many people haven't seen the original star Wars, but I do think there are nowadays. I do think, you know, you've got a whole generation of kids who like Christina, who is, you know, not necessarily as a kid, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think there's a, a couple of generations of people who have never seen, are you eating something it's right now? It's my only excuse to not seeing it. Um, but it's got, yeah, there's got to be a few generations who just haven't gone around to these old ones. Um, even with the new ones coming out, they'll be like, I'm going to see that old film's old, um, yep. which potentially is fair enough. And we'll get to that. Um, Alex, yes. do you want to do your quote, your George Lucas quote? 
adds to. So let me just say quickly, he spent $10 million reworking this film when the first time round. Uh, he only spent $2.5 million on the next two because they'd already created character models and stuff reworking them. Uh, yeah, and he did his changes in 1997, more in 2004, more again in 2011 for the, Dang. the releases. And it's not over yet. Yeah, so I don't know if this is the same quote that, that you've got, Al, but the one that I've got up here, I'll, I'll try and cut it down a bit. But So he says, there will only be one version of the films and it won't be what I would call the rough cut. It'll be the final cut. The other one will be some sort of interesting artifact that people will look at and say, there was an earlier draft of this. The same thing happens with plays and earlier drafts of books. In essence, films never get finished. They get abandoned. <laughs> At some point, you're dragged. So fucking abandon it. At some point, you're dragged off the picture, kicking and screaming, while somebody says, "Okay, it's done." That isn't really the way it should work. Um, um, so what ends up being important in my mind is what the DVD version is going to look like, because that's what everybody is going to remember. The other versions will disappear. Even the 35 million tapes of Star Wars out there won't last more than 30 or 40 years. A hundred years from now, the only version of the movie that anyone will remember will be the DVD version, and you'll be able to project it on a 20 foot by 40 foot screen with perfect quality. I think it's the director's prerogative, not the studio's, to go back and reinvent a movie. So that's wow. a problem I have there is the word reinvent. Yep, that's my problem. And like, if you wanna like have a director's cut, I I am all for I'm all for remakes. I'm all for reboots. I'm all for directors going back and releasing director's cut. Even producers or editors doing their own thing, as long as we as an audience have a choice. I don't yeah. mind him doing whatever he wants to and doing all this crazy stuff because some people might prefer it. And if it's his version, I do believe as the artist he has that right. For but sure. I believe that once something is out, then us as an audience have a right to still have access to the original version. But the original, so many people own the original. And Only on VHS, that's it. Yeah, there was like yeah a very but can't you transfer it to a DVD? <sighs> you, like, you can't, like, VHS quality is horrendous. Like, it's, oh, really? It's not watchable. I mean, it is watchable, but it's not yeah. good. What about um, the things that the, the theaters had? Oh, the original Prince? He yeah. has them all locked away. So Kathleen Kennedy, oh, who's geez. now... Kathleen Kennedy is now running Star Wars um, and Lucasfilm through Disney. Um, and we can get into her in later films when we see how she's meddling with stuff um and she's like come out recently because there was a point where you were saying it to me as well where they when disney first got it they're like we're going to release the original versions of the yeah, films two years ago oh my god they can make so much money doing that right yeah they'll make tons of money um never gonna do it and kathleen kennedy came out just like a month or two ago just to say it's probably never gonna happen jules lucas they're his films he has those locked away we don't have access to those we don't want to do anything that he wouldn't want us to do um, all that stuff. So it's probably never ever going to happen. This is what we have to live with now. Mm -hmm. um, if not even worse versions, because he'll keep fucking with it. I mean, does he, does he have control to keep adding stuff at this point now that it's in Disney? Oh, that's hands? a good point. Yeah, he probably can't add anymore. That's that's probably. True. So I mean, it depends what they want to add to fit. Yeah, they I don't think they would add. The I don't think Disney would spend more money on it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure at some point, one day. Yes. Yeah. I think like once people get sick of watching the new ones they're putting out every year. They'll go, oh, we need to make more money. Let's just put out the original versions mm -hmm. and find a way to get George's blessing. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, I do want to also a bone of contention with this film is a lot of people think it was a real, that it was, it was not loved when it first came out. Um, as we talked about at the beginning, as Christina pointed out, it was number one film that year. Um, so it was loved very much as soon as it came out. So people also, critics didn't like it. 
I was reading a lot of critics from that year, their reviews last night of the film. Most of them really enjoyed it. Now, admittedly, a lot of them enjoy it in the same way as a critic would enjoy an Avengers film now. It's like, it's fun and it's like exciting yeah. mm. and it's swashbuckling. It's not like sophisticated or anything, but it's like Buck Rogers for the new generation, basically. Yeah. However, some people did definitely hate it and I find it fun. So <laughs> I just want to read out a couple of short reviews um, of the film. Uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal in 1977. <laughs> There's something depressing about seeing all these impressive cinematic gifts and all this extraordinary technological skills lavished on such puerile materials. It's the triumph of camp, that sentiment which takes delight in the awful simply because it's awful. We enjoyed such stuff as children, but one would think that there would come a time when we might put away childish things. Ooh. Ooh. Why uh, would you ever? I know, right? Get with the millennium. Boring. Uh, New York Magazine wrote, Strip Star Wars off its often striking images and its highfalutin scientific jargon, and you get a story, characters, and dialogue of overwhelming banality without even a future cast to them. Human beings, anthropoids, or robots, you could probably find them all more or less like that in downtown Los Angeles today. Certainly the mentality and values of the movie can be duplicated in third-rate non-science fiction of any place or period. Oh, what a dull new world. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that went well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate breaking uh, I think George up. Lucas said at this last Star Wars celebration that he... He said, he said something like, I made this film for, t I made these films for 12 year olds, for kids, right. um, which is interesting that he's like so bluntly coming out and saying this now because everyone's just like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, all right. So one down. Oh, we're going to do our recommendations. We're going to do our recommendations. Of course we are. Um, I would also recommend uh, Christina since you knew these franchises as you go for each one write a little score down for it to remind yourself because at the end of them we will be like you'll place everything in order like what's like your favorite which one I like the most favorite through the worst okay. and it'll make it much easier on you if you just got a simple score next to it to be able to just literally just look at them put them in order okay the it's up to you right now okay you okay, okay Alex already knows his order. but I have to watch the second one to know like how much I like that one oh interesting to this to one compare. right interesting, interesting um Christina let's save you for last because you're the new voice fine so I'm, I'm kind of interested most interested in the new mm. Alex I think I know what you're gonna say but not only do you recommend this movie do you recommend it to new audiences um yeah, I mean, it was really interesting hearing some of your points, Christina, about things that didn't stand out for you, that did for me, like uh, how you responded to some of the CGI and your sort of um, um, almost like forgiveness of those moments because in your head you're like, this is a film from the 70s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. So then in that, having that kind of perspective, you're like, oh, it doesn't really like stand out as being bad or like misplaced. Um so but also because of my lack of knowledge of cgi yeah but that's because the, I didn't even but know the majority of people is like that majority of people doesn't then. know when cgi really came about yeah they're just thinking old film's old i'll just mm -hmm. take it for what it is yeah yeah so i think if people have that kind of i think for modern audiences that maybe haven't seen any of the series or have only seen the newer ones i think you will come in and watch, like, I would recommend these and I don't think you'd feel like they're too dated. I think there's some bits that wouldn't work, but I think as far as, like, an adventure sci-fi fantasy film, this is, like, still... I wouldn't... Like, I, out of the series, it doesn't necessarily set the bar, but it's still, of like, such a high standard that I think people are going to enjoy it. Um, 
and and get into it despite its its age now um because i think people are also going to be like yourself be a bit sort of accepting and maybe forgiving of how some things look or feel mm-hmm. because of that age so therefore just appreciate the adventure of it um so yeah i think i think modern audiences can still enjoy this film and i do recommend it for sure okay christina as a new fresh eyes how do you feel about the first star wars movie I think if you're going to watch any of the new ones, you have to watch the old ones. Have to. You have to. Alex is happy now. Like you're if you're willing to now. like <laughs> go and watch one of the new ones, then you have to watch the old ones. Friends for life. Because it just makes I mean, cuz I've cuz so I'm doing it backwards, right? So mm-hmm. I've watched I mean, one that I remember, the most recent one. I've watched that, but I mean, how and I enjoyed it, but I enjoy it so much more knowing the story of this one okay. now. You know what I mean? I do know what you So mean. I think it's silly to watch some of the new ones and not watch the old ones. And if it, you really want to get the whole story and the full effect of Star Wars, you kind of have to. And it was enjoyable. I mean, it wasn't like so exciting. You know, I wasn't like clinging to my seat the whole time, but I enjoyed it. And just to be clear, I think with the audience as well, like who don't necessarily know your taste, you're not into like necessarily science fiction or geeky stuff like that, but you are, you do quite like some old films. I do. So I feel maybe the 70s barrier isn't there for you, but the genre barrier might be there for you. Yes, the genre barrier for sure. And I don't really like um, action movies. I mean, would this be considered a sci-fi action movie? Yeah, it's it's a sci-fi adventure action yeah, I don't really gravitate towards <laughs> sci-fi or action. I do like some sci-fi stuff, though. Okay. I do. I mean, this was seen as, like, yeah, it's a soap opera is how a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about it, essentially, um, which you'll get more into mm, as you go through it yeah, uh, because it becomes later, very familial in terms of the twists and turns. It and didn't seem so soap opera this one. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I really am. Because I didn't know. I was really worried. You get on this journey with us and you watch the first one. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and it'll just be a real slog for you. Because uh, in my opinion, this is not the best one. So I'm, I'm I feel like it's going to get better. Cool. Let's find out. Yeah. And if you like Jawas, I oh hope. boy, are you going to like certain things coming your way? <laughs> you have something to say, Alex? Yeah, no, I was just thinking of your point, which I think is a great way to pitch it to sort of new audiences is what you said about that... Um, intertwining of narrative and characters and environment and how they're all working simultaneously and together Mm. um which is what you don't often get in big action films these days i think yeah one or the other something services something else yeah and i think that is a really kind of great way that this engages in people and if you like that idea of uh things that are that are built into the story and into the backstory that aren't necessarily answered in this one particular film like it gives you a rich kind of world yeah. immediately, then it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. I'm, I'm going to say a word I never thought I'd use, which also Lucas, to be honest. But I think it's actually astonishing how just ballsy and well-developed a movie this is for a second feature film from a director. Like it's oh, so... Yeah. I mean, technically third, but second cinematic feature film. It's... It comes out the gate so bold and I admire it so much. And I haven't done enough research to know exactly if he's like a Guillermo del Toro and he came up with all these character designs for creatures and worlds and stuff. I don't feel he did. Um, But for me, yeah, the sound design, the music 
which we haven't mentioned, which is sacrilegious, but John Williams did the music for this, mm. one of probably the greatest score composer of all time. Um, it's it's phenomenal, the score yeah. in this movie. And it's so obvious, which is why I think we haven't mentioned it, because it's so historically iconic. Um, but between, yeah, the sound design and the music and then just the world character designs, like the world building that is here, from the history to the artifacts to how they interact with stuff to the gadgets that they hold to things looking rusted to... It's so good mm-hmm. that it's astonishing to me. The narrative on top of that, nah, it's fun. Like, I don't find it... Like, I think it works really well, the hero structure... Um, I think if you're new to this, for whatever reason you haven't seen this, absolutely, I think you should give it a go just for those aspects. You might find yourself tuning out towards the end where it gets more into spaceship battles if that's not your kind of thing. And I think that's fine. Then tune out a bit, but maybe just like, you know, eat a sandwich, do your Facebooks while you watch the end and then (laughs) try and still come back for the next one, hopefully. Um, But just like, just to start a movie, I still kind of get away from it. Like that music, that title, that bold... And just he was only 33, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just so bold and so assured. Um, really impressive. Like, really impressive. Um, yeah. And I'm surprised by how much I like this movie going back to it. I really and like it all does really feel like the beginning of something. You know, all the yeah. characters. It's just like the beginning. of. Yeah. It's impossible to end it here. Yeah. And so we won't. <laughs> we'll be back next Lucky week us. to cover Star Wars Episode Five. The Empire Strikes Back, um, uh, not directed by George Lucas, but we'll be getting into that. Um, yes, fuck, I'm really off the ball today. We are geeks. Oh, uh, yeah, if you want to help us out, then head on over to wearegeeks.com where you can uh, click on things and move to other sites and see other stuff. We do lots of podcasts. We have a weekly podcast just simply called Geeks where we talk about topical games and uh, movie news and things like that. We also do lots of franchises. We've done Friday uh, the 13th. We've done A Nightmare on the Elm Street. We've done Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We're doing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I think just finished. Um, And Danny Boyle retrospect if you're not into horror loads of stuff um, you can also go on our channel uh, just go to weirdgeeks.com you can go over to iTunes and then subscribe just to the channel you want we've got a horror channel if you want that we've got just a regular movie channel for this stuff or a simple geeks or the Weird Geeks for everything um, you can also check out from there our Twitch streams where we do a whole bunch of fun things on there um, we've got a bank there as well of content so you can go and watch the old shows that we've been doing and our publisher is We Are Tessellate, uh, which you can also link to from our website, weirdgeeks.com. And we are a production company run of London, LA, and Tokyo. And we make feature films. We've just finished making our first feature film, Starfish. And you can learn about that on our weekly podcast where we try and keep people up to date with what we're doing. Uh, I've been your host. I am Mr. Al White on all the social medias and on the video game consoles where you can play Friday the 13th with me and nothing else. Alexander Chard. Yep, on Twitter, Instagram, and on uh, Xbox or PS, um, PlayStation, I'm Rainbow Chard. Are you just Alexander Chard on all the other social medias? Yep. How convenient. <laughs> Christina Masterson, how can people communicate with you? Uh... You're going to give your home address. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I live on 555. That's I cool. don't know. I'm on Instagram, I guess. Twitter. What's your handle? I don't know. You don't remember your Instagram? Your uh, Hi Christina Maria. Underscore Hi Christina. Underscore Hi Christina. Yeah. Okay. Is that on Twitter and on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, we'll just yeah. go with that. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's me, guys. 
All right, tune into next episode where we'll research what your handles are <laughs> so people can learn how to follow you online and communicate. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, we are out. Geeks. 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 <laughs>